AP Podcast is sponsored by Epitaph Records, the home to Bay Area Popcore Sextet Set Your Goals, whose sophomore album and Epitaph debut, This Will Be the Death of Us, is in stores now. The album features guest appearances from Paramore's Haley Williams, Newfound Glory's Chad Gilbert, and more. Catch the band on the AP Tour Fall Ball alongside label mates Yumi at Six starting September 24th in Pittsburgh. And folk punk troubadour Frank Turner, whose previously import-only Love, Ire, and Song was made available in the U.S. for the first time ever last month. The British singer-songwriter just finished a U.S. tour with The Offspring and will be returning to America this fall to support the Gaslight Anthem. Learn the lyrics now so you can lose your voice singing along in the pit later. For more information on these and other new releases, go to epitaph.com. wish we could be Chris Cole. He was the main character in the 2001 Mark Wahlberg movie, Rockstar, who gets to live out his life's dream by replacing the lead singer of his favorite band of all time, Steel Dragon. At any show, there's probably a good percentage of the crowd that would die to be up on that stage performing with the band. It's just that never-ending fantasy that all music fans have whether it's only forever going to be in their work time daydreams or maybe just as an inspiration to their own career goals as a musician. Someday, that's going to be me. You know, that kind of thinking. Well, for 23-year-old San Diego-based Cove Reaver, he went past just thinking about it and actually made it happen. The enigmatic Anthony Green, lead singer of his favorite band, Seosin, had up and quit, leaving the group speedily running through auditions just a few hours from Cove Reaver's home. He hopped out of his high school class and onto the net, requesting, well, kind of pleading, for a chance to audition for the head spot. The band, thinking it was originally Green pulling a prank on them because of the spot on vocals Reaper did for his demo, initially were reluctant to call him in. Well, he got the spot. That whole story is detailed in full in AP Music Editor Scott Heisel's great cover story with Seosin in AP issue number 226 of May of 2007 which you can also get online at allpress.com. Now, as in the movie, Reber went through an adjustment phase once he joined, not only trying to get in sync with the members of the band, but also with fans of the band who were quickly falling into two camps, the Anthony Green era of Seosin and the Cove Reber era. Seosin was pieced together by guitarist Bo Birchall in 2003 and also consists of Justin Sukowski on guitars, Chris Sorensen on bass and keyboards, and the incredible Alex Rodriguez on drums. Now, Green appeared only on their first EP, Translating the Name, which came out in 2003, before he jumped shit and ended up as the frontman for Circus Survive. He stated in a previous AP podcast that the band's plan signing to Capitol Records, only handcuffing his future with the band that he didn't feel completely a part of in the first place, ended up being one of the several factors in his decision to leave. Now, the band did end up signing to the major in 2005 and released their self-titled EP in September, followed up with their Howard Benson-produced full-length, also subtitled, a year later. A live album DVD package called Come Close was released in March 2008. We, uh, you gotta watch that DVD, by the way, it's great. And later that year in October, the band issued the Grey EP, selling it at their merch booths and on iTunes. 
Their next record, In Search of Solid Ground, will be released in September of this year. They're currently sweating it out on this year's Warp Tour. Rebert, now feeling a lot more confident in his space on the stage instead of just in the audience, has visibly grown into his role as Seosin's lead singer. But give him one cherry Dr. Pepper too many, and his eternal fanboy side comes raging out of him. It's obvious that even four plus years or so after joining the band, he's still very excited to be living out his rock and roll dream each day, every hour, every minute. We all don't get to be Chris Cole, but Cove Reber did. This is Mike Shea. So I noticed that uh, while uh, doing some um, research on this, that your Wikipedia page has been deleted. Thank heaven. Thank heaven. Yeah. Are you going Trent Reznor? You don't want to be associated with. No, I, I think I think the uh, the Wikipedia page was just a little uh, absurd. I think the people people who find out stuff about me it's just like kind of ridiculous you know like oh he owns world of warcraft so he's got to play it you know it what's his say favorite that, character though. it didn't say that here's dude, the screenshot from it dude no it honestly it it, it has said it before and it's a little creepy. that's very basic there's hardly anything yeah. there it just says you were in the band this is this and and that's it yeah well thank heaven somebody took took that crap off. i just because... wonder if you should be insulted because it says it was deleted because it lacks the sources to prove its notability yeah well i mean <laughs> Come on, if, if this is this, we're talking about a site that freaking people can go up and and post whatever they want about it, about me, you know, like I don't know, like I've I've done I know I've regret doing certain things in the in the past as far as media. Really, I mean, yeah, I did something with like with PETA, not too or on on Taste of Chaos, oh seven, I believe it was with with uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars and the Used. Okay, and I did it because I was doing. I went vegan for like a week on the tour, but mm. I was vegetarian for half the tour, and I I just wanted to see how how it would change me, mm-hmm. and how like I would feel performing without eating real food, you know, and not that and how fast you'll collapse and how yeah, yeah and how fast I'll collapse. <laughs> so I I was like you know what like I've they and at that time they were doing the KFC thing like promoting like don't eat at KFC and right I oh, yeah eaten, yeah that thing yeah, yeah. I haven't eaten at KFC in like ten years strictly because. I hate KFC and I think it tastes gross. Okay. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll talk crap on KFC all day long. But I told them in the interview and they chopped it up. Uh, they, they, they took this part out, which was like, this is just a temporary thing. This is not like a legit serious thing. So when they took it out, I was like, well, that sucks. You know, I was watching the interview and they're like, they're hyping me up to be like some huge hardcore vegetarian vegan. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not that I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat my dad's steak because it tastes delicious. Like it's going to be awesome. But you know, I, I do, re- I do regret not eating uh steak prior to uh, leaving that tour because right from that tour, we went to Europe and I ended up eating, I ended up going back to eating meat. And that was the worst decision of my life because I ended up getting sick and, Going to the hospital the first day we were in we were or the second show basically Whoa. of uh, of being in the UK for for uh, what was it uh, give it a name and I got like mm. super sick spent 
a whole day in the hospital with like 13 IV bags wow. in my arm. Ended What's, up what country like, was that? Country it was it was in the UK. Oh, it was in the yeah. UK. Okay, so but was, I got fr- it was for free. It was you free. Know? <laughs> it was free. It was great. <laughs> right, I free guess free healthcare. But yeah, I mean, you know. It, so they it, had it IVs in you. How long did it take you to get recouped? Um, it took me about two days because of what, food poisoning. It it had to have been food or poisoning because like I was seriously like rolling on the ground. Like they had to put put me in a stretcher and like stretch me through the crowd. To get to the to get to like the uh, you collapsed on stage. No, I I I pretty much I didn't collapse. I I just like kind of keeled over and was just like, oh my stomach hurts. And they finally just like took me down from the backstage through the crowd. And kids were like, you did great, high fiving me as I'm like dying <laughs> on the stretcher. It was it was crazy, but um, yeah. I mean, it, it is a healthy lifestyle, but for me, I'm just like, you know what? It's it's just not not what I believe in, like not something I can re- truly follow. But you know, it's almost like a religion. But it's I don't know. It's, it it can be kind of crazy, right? But uh, I'm a meat eater, man. So so what else was like some of the strangest things that have been reported about you on the internet? The World of Warcraft one was good. I own the game, but I've never played it. I got it as a, as a present for my girlfriend because I I love playing video games on on computers. My dad owned a computer store when I was growing up, so really? it was like yeah, okay. it was awesome. All the dudes from from his office uh, from his computer store would just stay after hours, and we'd hook up all the computers and we'd just play video games. And it was <laughs> oh, just man. like yeah, as a little kid, you're like you know eight eight to to eleven years old. You know I'm just I'm playing video games with forty year old men, and it's the, I'm having the greatest time of my life. And that was mid nineties. It was like because yeah. you were born eighty five, so that would have been about eighty ninety three ninety four. Nin- it was like ninety three to basically two thousand because I moved to San Diego in two thousand, and that's when the computer store got shut down due mm. to uh, what was it? Staples. St- yeah. Oh, thank you, Staples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, great. But I mean, we live in a small town, so Staples just came in. It was just like it, it shut down everybody. All everything else was just like, oh, well, no more computers. Well, you're, you're from, you're from uh, Vista, right? I'm from Vista, but originally I grew up um, like east of LA, northeast of LA, in this little town called Ridgecrest. Hmm. It was this little, uh, little like crap hole of a city that had the only thing that kept it alive was this naval base out in the middle of the desert, and they just tested these. These like the Sidewinder missile, my mom's boss invented, you know, the key part of it. And it was, it was wild. Like growing up there was sweet, but ha- if I were living there now, I'd I'd want to kill myself. Why? Because it's crappy. Oh, you're, I just you're out in the middle of nowhere. Okay, there's nothing to do but like drink beer and go up into the mountains and shoot, you know, lizards and rocks and like. There's nothing to do. And and listen to them uh, t- test things. Yeah. yeah, and listen to them test bombs and, you know, feel the sonic booms. There was one year where it was the earthquake capital of the world strictly because of, like, the bombs would drop and the Richter scale would just, you know, it would go up and down. And then uh, the bombs would – we sat, like, our main street was on the San Andreas Fault. Mm-hmm. So – as soon as the bomb would fall, like a bomb would fall, it'd trigger uh, an earthquake, and then like the whole town would shake at like a six point five earthquake. And yeah, the day I left actually to move to San Diego from Ridgecrest, there was like one of the gnarliest earthquakes happened in my entire life. It was great. So the town is on the San Andreas Fault. It's yeah, it pretty much sits like on the middle of the San Andreas. And this is Fault. where they're going to test nuclear weapons and things. Yeah, and they just stuff. test bombs and, and weird, weird, <laughs> weird, weird, weird. I... Just weird stuff, man. It sounds like there's a left hand not really talking to the right hand on that coordination no. there. Um, of all places to be doing that, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know there really isn't a whole hell of a lot about you online. 
as much as you're you're well, okay um <laughs> uh, but no i mean seriously like uh i did you know this i didn't know that about your father um and uh it, what what were you like uh, there's a little bit about your high school years you know and and how you got into the band but but i mean prior to that i mean what uh what kind of kid were you when you were growing up i was i was a little desert rat man like i would run around i was if you look at my parents let me just put it this way if you look at my parents and then you look at pictures of me when i was 8 you know 8 to till i was 13 mm-hmm. i looked nothing like my parents i'm dark skin i'm darker than half of the mexicans that lived in 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 the town and i look more mexican than the mexican kids that that lived there so it was just really awkward for, for my parents going up they're like where did you come from like like <laughs> who are you are you even my child um but i mean it was it, it was a good time i loved i loved living in a small town um to grow growing up and and when blink 182 got huge uh mm. And they became my favorite band um, at the time. Uh, Mark was like the hometown hero because he was actually he actually lived in Ridgecrest for a while. Oh, okay. So, um, and, you know, um, he was just did like. Did he work at the Naval Base? What no, I, what I don't know. I think his I think his mom worked worked for the Naval Base or something. I don't. I don't okay. Know. Like, there'll be a Blink fan out there. Now. Yeah, there's some there's Tell some crazy okay. Blink 182 fan out there that knows. But um, yeah, like he was just like the hometown hero. So all of the kids in the town were like, you know, there was no, there was no guitar shop. So nobody could start a band, which was pretty sweet. If you think about it now, cause everybody does have a band. <laughs> um, so it was just like, you were listening to, you know, uh, we were talking about it at dinner. Um, you were listening to America's top 40 and like, that was it. Like, that's all you really had in any station that you picked up from, from LA. Mm-hmm. So you, you didn't really, you weren't really like, I I'd never heard of hardcore. You know, like hardcore music. I had no idea what that was until I moved. And then once I moved to San Diego, it was just like this world of music hit me. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm so glad I left this mm-hmm. small, crappy town. But um, yeah, I, I, was just a, I was just a weird little kid. I played baseball. Um, you that's know, that's I, weird. I listen, yeah, that's weird. Uh, no, but I mean, even like my musical upbringing, I listened to like Tracy Chapman and Styx mm. and Dire Straits and James Taylor and Some of those were your parents' yeah, bands, if I, if I read correctly. Yeah, my parents loved that music, and that's just what I grew up listening to. My parents like put headphones on me as a little kid, mm-hmm. and I would just you know kind of bounce up and down to Dire Straits because that's just I don't know that's just what I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of started young. For, for the longest time, my dad played guitar, and he would play guitar when he'd get home from uh, from work, and um, he'd sing us to sleep practically and he would play neil young songs wow and so for the longest time i thought my dad was really neil young i thought that that was he sounds exactly like him i've been trying to trying to get him and his buddy to to record some stuff because it's it's all covers but it's seriously like he sounds like neil young and it's great it's absolutely wonderful so um that'd be amazing yeah it really would be (laughs) is he just shy and he just no you know he's just i think he's now he's kind of vicariously living through me and uh, and yet, you know, he still he still plays the guitar pretty avidly. So, um, I'm tr- like I said, I'm trying to get him and his buddy to come over to my house and just like set up a couple. He mics. comes to all your shows. I mean, is he is he? Yeah, he's he's a huge supporter of of, of what I'm doing now. And um, he and they my parents weren't at first 
at first it was they, like, they never are I mean, yeah they, 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 they frequently aren't I should say that. well i mean you know when you're a when you're a 18 year old kid and you're you're dealing with people who are uh you know 25 at the time um i had no 25 year old friends i you know i knew nobody that was 25 and um when i jumped into sales and it was just like this world like my world my bubble just burst <laughs> and like I had no bubble anymore. Um, but I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was good for my parents to be apprehensive at first, but once they came out to the first, uh, real show that we mm-hmm. played in San Diego, um, their, their minds changed very quickly. They were like, Holy crap. Like if this is what you can do every single night and if you can actually impact another person's life, right. like the way that music impacted your life, then, you know, as long as you're not writing songs uh, that are, you know, detrimental to to society or what people would think right. are detrimental to society, like uh, Manson gets it all the time. And like, you know, I think his comeback to the Columbine shooting was great. Mm. It's absolutely wonderful. But, um, you know, I think if, as soon as they realized that I could actually make an impact on some kid's life for the better, mm-hmm. possibly save some kid's life, because, I mean, music when I moved was all I did. All I did was listen to music, and it pretty much saved my life. So if I could do the same and return the favor, I feel like in their minds, as soon as they saw me, they were just like, okay, we're going to support him. We're going to do everything so we can. So many fans say, your your music, your songs saved my life, and, and the musician always like, oh, you know, and they said, well, you know, the, then the fans said they were down in the dumps and because their teacher yelled at them and they were going to kill themselves, and then thus they put on my song on it. Now, when a musician says... That music saved your lives. I never really hear them explain that. You know. So what? Ha- so what's your fan story like? What? 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 Who? How? When I first moved to San Diego, mm-hmm. um, I, I moved at like the worst time ever. Was that before? It was before you joined the band or after this? Before I. Before I. Joined joined the band. The, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, I moved. I moved there in two thousand. So or in ninety nine. So I had like you know all of high school to go to. So, so how? So how does the story about? You finding out about it happened in high school, so you were still back. I was still home. No, I, I mean I was still in San Diego. I was oh, still were, home in San Diego. Oh, you, with, did the yeah. whole family move to San the Diego? The whole family moved to oh, San Diego in ninety nine. Okay, okay. and uh, I'm better and now. So basically, like we moved to San Diego in ninety nine, which was the worst time ever because I was just going into high school, and uh, I got really, really depressed, mm. and um, ended up losing like all of my baby fat and just becoming like really skinny for okay. a long time. <laughs> And my parents were just, they thought, like, we should just send him back. Like, we should send him back to where we used to live. And, and um, you know, eventually I, I met a couple couple friends who uh, played a guitar or played guitar. And through them, mm-hmm. they got me into, into music and into going to shows. And I had a friend, uh, one of my best friends, um, started taking me to, like, these local shows with local San Diego bands. And, and through that, like... You know, I feel like if he wasn't there and if these, these bands weren't there um, in his life to, to to get me to go with him, like, uh-huh. you know, I probably, I, I, I'm not saying I would have killed myself, but I definitely, you know, wouldn't have had as many dreams and ambitions of, of pursuing music as, as a career. Hmm. So, um, you know, bands like, when I, when I first got into my own and started uh, finding my own bands, uh, my own style, I guess you could say. Like, I got into uh, Yellow Card, hmm. and that sounds really weird to to a lot of people because they're like Yellow Card, like what? But I got into Yellow Card um, 
Yellow Card's very first record. Mm. And uh, that was just something that like, and it ended up helping me find more friends that was like, hey, check this out. Like, what do you think? Like, would you ever want to go to a show with me? Like, see them play? And I remember seeing them play, like, before they were even signed, before they put out, you know, their their, their big record release. Um, and just being, like, a true fan. And, and that's what I lived for to go to go see them play. I lived to go see those those shows in, in San Diego. And, um, you know, I feel like... I feel like that's pretty much what saved me and got me motivated uh, to, you know, actually live, you know, I guess day to day at the time. Because mm-hmm. there was, like I said, there was like a six month period where I was just like, you know, sleeping on the floor. I wouldn't sleep on my bed. I just, nothing really? felt right. Yeah. Like nothing felt right. You know, it was just yeah. a really hard time. You know, when you move from a small town of, of 75,000 people into, an area where there's, you know, millions of people right. and, you know, everybody's, everybody seems bigger and everybody seems faster, so to speak. Like, you know, it was, it was just a, a difficult, a difficult thing for a 14 year old kid to go through. So, um, music was, was the only outlet for that. I feel like I could, I could take, or I, I you know, I, I felt like normal. So what did you do? I mean, you obviously you guys going to shows and stuff like that. I mean, what else did you do? I mean, was it the, was it doing? It was playing with friends. Yeah, it was just, instruments and stuff. It was just playing. You know, going to shows and through going to shows, you know, I started I started playing my my guitar or my dad's guitar more, and eventually starting a band with with a couple friends in, in high school and just started some really crappy garage band. And were you always the singer? No, no. It, there was actually one of my best friends who's who's still a great great musician and great singer um you know he 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 was the one who was always singing and i would always sing the harmonies cuz i have the higher voice and i always thought higher harmonies sounded cool for whatever reason hmm. um so i would sing all the harmonies and he would sing all the main the main vocal lines and uh we ended up towards the end of of that band, I guess you could say, um, kind of switching off, singing ha- like he would sing half the songs, I would sing half the songs, and you know the other. And when I was singing, he was singing harmonies and vice versa. So, um, you know, that's kind of what that's kind of what I did throughout my entire high school career, I guess you could say. And uh, did that band? That band went nowhere. I mean, didn't play any. Didn't play any real parties, shows. Nothing. We, I mean, we played. We played like high school parties. You know, what like was the name of the band? Birthday parties. Mormon in the middle. Oh, that's them. That's Mormon in the All middle. All right, okay, yeah. okay. And that band actually turned out to be uh, we through the, pop punk kind of died. <laughs> I feel like around the around the time that like. Uh, Thrice was getting big, and oh, yeah. uh, you know Thursday and, and all that, Thursday yeah. and everybody. So everybody yeah. started playing like quote unquote metal, you know, just like really cheap, easy metal. Sure. And uh, then we 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 kind of followed suit, but we did it in a joking way. We kind of took like the Aquabats approach to to everything and just joked about it. We're like, why are everybody? Why is everybody doing this? They're just playing like fake metal. They're just screaming when they want to scream. It's not even cool. Like whatever. So we just kind of we kind of took our band and we're just like, hey, you want to come play with us? We got like more people. We added people into the band, and then instead of writing real songs, we just got up and jammed. Okay. And then I I would just like scream random crap here and there, and it was just like, we got off stage and people were like that was awesome. We're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> that was not awesome. That was the worst crap ever. So so that band name was Stamp Out Detroit. That's okay. what that's what I guess you could say Mormon in the middle became but uh 
you know, I still, it, Wait, it's weird. It's really weird with more in the middle. I still listen to those songs. I still want to record those songs over again because I feel honestly, I feel like that is, is an era that like of my life and of my musical career that I'm like still kind of bummed that I never got a good recording of as much of a joke as it, as it was. And as much of a, you know, in high school as we, nobody really took it seriously. I, I would still like just to take it seriously for once and sit down for a week and just record. Did, did, just have fun. Did the did the name, I guess, is being a some assuming mm-hmm. come from? Yeah, we were playing very awkward. We we had no band name. My guitar player is this, uh, or was a the one who didn't sing. Um, was a uh, or it still is. He's he's a Christian. He's born again a Christian, and um, we were playing. We were playing like Keep Away, and he would always joke about me being Mormon. He'd always be like, Yo, you're the Mormon kid, whatever. And uh, I ended up in the middle, and he was like, Haha, it's the Mormon in the middle. And everybody just kind of stopped, and we're like, All right, let's go back to band practice. We are now <laughs> called Mormon in the middle. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it, it came probably about. made the coolest flyers, I will admit, with that name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? Did your we're par- like, We got a built in fan base, you know? <laughs> Did your parents, I mean, were they. Um, you know, there's, there's people of faith that kind of go from those that are follow it, follow it, you know, um, pun intended religiously. And then there, and then it kind of gradiates all the way down to those people that are in it, but in name only. And so did they have a problem with that at all? No, I mean, uh, you know, you know, sometimes the generations don't get the joke, you know? No, they definitely, they definitely got it. But I mean, they definitely understood that like, we're going nowhere. This is just a f- just a fun little thing for me to do in high school. Okay, I mean, okay. they thought once high school was over, I was just gonna give up. You know. And give what did up. they want you to become? Um, anything that I anything that I wanted. They oh, just okay, they didn't cool. they didn't Very really cool. know what what I was gonna do. You know, because everybody else like everybody else was was getting good grades. While meanwhile, I was like failing. And it came down to like the last day before graduation that I actually found out that I was gonna walk and actually gonna graduate. So it was like. You know, I took I took high school as a joke, but I took music seriously, even though I had a joke band name and a joke band. Got it. I was like, let's play shows, let's do this, let's record, let's save money, let's do you know everything we I could do. I was just like, I was so motiva- motivated on this crappy band that it it eventually led me to want to you know want to pursue music as as a career. Hmm. So, um, so so back to Stamp Out Detroit. Yeah. Uh, where did that name come from? Um, <laughs> again boredom we were uh <laughs> we were looking at this at this book that my guitar player's older brother's band uh, was looking at and got their band name from i think uh and th- their band's called get back loretta loretta and they're still doing it and it's still this dude's amazing it's still a great band i think everybody should check him out um little shout out there um but we were just like looking through we're like hey they found their band name here why don't why can't we so we're looking at it and it's this book the beetle like this beatles book Hmm. and um we were looking at it and then you know that was like the title of a chapter and we're like that's cool let's use that (laughs) you know and it was just again (laughs) us being the idiots that we were and never taking anything serious it was like well if we're gonna have a joke band we we might as well just have this stupid name so you know, we ended up recording like two songs, and they're the worst songs in the world. Because, like I said, it's just like them spazzing, and then me just like spazzing on the microphone. <laughs> it, was, it was really dumb. It was really dumb, and probably one of the worst 
career to, or like musical career. I hope that never gets leaked because and you know now it'd be it will. Terrible. Oh yeah, now that so, you said it, somebody, some kid, some fan from like way back when that saw me and it was like one of ten people watching. That actually, you know, the one person who bought it is going to be like, I still have that, and I'm totally going to leak that now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so I'm start a little indie label oh, and put it up on iTunes and make a fortune. Yeah, we can just delete that right now. <laughs> <laughs> they probably already did it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how do we get to the the story then about? Um, because the story is is that you had heard Seosin yeah, before you saw them. I actually weird story. I mean, never, you know, you never, never seen, seen them before you joined the band. Before I joined the band, yeah. And uh, then being in the high school, and your house was next to the high school. Yeah, is uh, all my, that true? Yeah, my house was like legitimately walking distance from the high school, which is unfortunate. Which is yeah, which is unfortunate because it's a really crappy area. Oh uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but basically, you like I would drive to high school, even though I could walk. <laughs> just because I was like, I wanted to be cool. I wanted my own parking spot. You know, I was like, right. I, whatever. I want my car there. And because I ditched so much. What did you drive? I drove a Dodge Caravan and it, we called it the turtle because it never moved. <laughs> it was, it moved so slow. Like I delivered pizzas in that thing. I had no back seats. All I had was blankets and pillows and my car was never locked. So what would happen is I would ditch class and I'd just go sleep in my, my car, but everybody else knew that my car was like the safe place. So I would ditch my class and there would be like three other people laying in my car and I'd be like, scoot over, give me some, give me some space. Yeah, it was like a commune on campus. And so basically what happened was one day, um, I, had, I had heard of Seosin through my buddy Tyson and I became a huge fan, and I only showed like five other people. Well, and they had the EP the out by then, right? And they had the EP Translating out by then. Translating the name, okay, yeah. And um, you know, Southern California at the time, Seosin just blew up, but it blew up in a way that like only the cool kids knew about Seosin, and only the cool kids wanted to keep it that way. Got it. And um, so one day, I was I was in my English class, which I failed miserably. Now I'm a singer and a lyricist. Um, really bad. As long as, it is in, as long as it is in complete sentences, you're fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was in my English class one day and like head down on my desk, just trying to pass out. But I was singing a Seosin song, and right next to me was one of my one of my good buddies in another band in my high at my high school. And uh, he was like, "Dude, you know the singer of Seosin quit, right?" And I, I looked at him. I just sat up. My eyes, you know, blew up huge, grew wide, and. And I was like, no way. And I had remembered reading something um, like two months prior because they were supposed to start that tour with, they supposed to start a tour with, with uh, Story of the Year um, around San Diego. And so it was supposed to be one of the first dates, but I gave my tickets to my friend and uh, my chem actually replaced Seosin on that Story of the Year tour. Weird story. And I, I gave it to my friend. I was like, here, go. I don't even want to go see it now that Seosin's not playing. But I had thought that 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 Anthony had had you know something similar to what Daryl has, mm. um, and and how how Daryl just can't ever really tour, right? Which is unfortunate. But I thought that it was a similar situation where he just couldn't tour. He couldn't you know he wasn't healthy or something. And um, so I just never I never really kept up with the internet side of things, and I didn't really read it fully. I just read that they weren't touring. And um, he was like, you know, the singer quit. And I was like, no way. And I immediately raised my hand 
in in class and the teacher let me let me go to the bathroom and I just grabbed all my stuff as if that wasn't suspicious enough she just she didn't care <laughs> so I just got up and bailed went to my car and then just just flew out of that parking lot there was security guards like chasing me like stop you know the next day i'm coming to school i'm like super scared that they're gonna stop did, me did, did they did they uh detention yeah they would give you detention and stuff if you did, bailed did you get it for that no they didn't catch me which was awesome and i went home <laughs> and i sent everybody in the band an, an email including anthony um and I was like, yo, I sent, you know, to the band, I was like, yo, are you guys looking for a new singer? Like, what's the deal? Where are you guys based <laughs> so, out of? Hold on a second. Oh, it's all good. <coughs> My bad. All right. Let's back it up just a little bit. Okay. So basically, I, like I said, I went home or, you know, ditched school. I went home, sent everybody an email, um, including Anthony. And what happened is I sent the dudes in the band. I was like, are you guys looking for a new singer? Like, what's up? Are you guys still a band? You know, because with most bands nowadays, it's just like, you know, they're together six months or a year and they break up and Mm -hmm. they start new bands and whatever. So I was like, you guys looking for a singer? You guys still a band, all this stuff. And then I sent Anthony an email. I was like, yo, did you quit? Like, is this for real? Am I, am I, are my my eyes deceiving me? And, uh, never heard back from Anthony, but I got a, I got a, what'd you do? Go through their MySpace or you go? I just went to their website. Under the website. And they had like, you know, it was like, it was like Bo at Seosin and whatever. So I just started emailing everybody and I got a I got a response from Bo, and I was like, "Yo, just tell me tell me where what address I can send a demo." And 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 come to find out, you know, they lived an hour north of me, so I hit him back, and I was like, "Just let me come try out in person. Like, trust me, I'm a good singer. Like, you know, whatever." And he emailed me back. He's like, "No, I'm not doing that anymore. I've tried out way too many crappy singers for this band, and uh, you need to send in, in a in a." in a tape if you want to because this this all happened like you, you it was reported about six months after you found out about six yeah. months after anthony had quit roughly rough roughly i mean it was before i had graduated from high school okay and right. he had quit like around january like beginning of january all right so, so maybe four or five okay yeah so he um so he hit me back i tried i tried talking him into letting me letting me go up there to record and try out in person but i finally it came down to the wire and it, for me and I was like, it's now or never. I ended up with like bronchitis and like all this crazy stuff, um, and phlegm in my throat. And, and I was like, it's now or never. I got to do it. So I just, I set up my dad's computer, recorded it through the speakers. Like, like actually I had a mic in like this little like Mason jar and I just set it there on, and I bent so and I like bent over, you know, on, on the guitar. And I was just like trying to sing and play the guitar at the same time. And I'm a horrible guitar player. And uh, I sent it in, and I I now, what did only you put sent, on that. There's some discre- there's discrepancies yeah. about what is on that demo. The the only song that got released was thank heavens the the only song that sounded good on that on that demo. Um, I recorded Mookie's Last Christmas, right? And then I recorded Seven Years and Third Measurement and C straight. So there were back songs to back. off of translating the name on that. No, I, no. Those were those were great songs off okay. the record, but I recorded them. That my voice was so trash that it was just like Got it, it came right. out sounding so bad that by the end of third measurement and C, like I couldn't sing anymore, and I was just like I had to stop it. Mm-hmm. And 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 then I just was like, no, why not just record it? And I'm like, I'm sorry, dudes. Like I'm really sick right now. Give me a break. Uh, if you like what you hear, whatever, send it back or hit me up. And all I did was leave my first name and and my phone number on 
on this on the CD and I sent that in. Right. And uh, they called me back and they're like, "Yo, we need to know if this is really you because yeah, we just need to know." Come to find out, they thought it was Anthony playing a joke on him. And I think one of the dudes ended up calling Anthony and being like, "You are a dick, dude. Like how can you send in a demo through somebody else like you're a jerk, you know?" And uh didn't Bo like fess up? So yeah, he was the one that. Yeah, he was the one that like called him, called Anthony, and like you know, he thought they thought it was Anthony, and I was like, I'm honored, you know, like Anthony's one of my favorite singers. I I love the dude now personally, but back in the day, it was just like, you know, that's what I listened to. That's what I was singing, you know, uh, from every single day. I just go home, put on translating the name after you know I downloaded it, didn't buy it, never saw them, never could buy it, so I you know. Um, I would just I would just sit there and I'd sing it in my room and and that's just what I did and and finally I got the I got the call from Chris he's like we need you to come up tonight and uh, and practice we need to meet you in person so I drove up there just looking like a sketchy dude and they met me in person and they're like we can work with you yeah I mean you're you're good looking around the face region and uh, we can fix your style and they definitely didn't fix the style. <laughs> But I mean, you know, it, it worked, you know, they, they conned me into, uh, tracking, I can tell. And late, like after it was recorded and after it was sent to smart punk to be put on the smart punk compilation, they told me like, yeah, we're putting it on a CD. It's already out. Like it's already going to come out in a week. So I was like, no way, you know, r- ran to my, uh, ran to my hot topic and bought it immediately. I was like, I'm on this. That's my voice. You know, I went home and took it to my no mom. Contracts. Like, no, no contracts. No contracts. No, it was just like, we need you to come in and sing this. And I did. And, and they put it on a record. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm in the band yet, but Which, this is great. <laughs> it was awesome. Wasn't part of it, though, that you ca- you were on your way back home and that you called them or something and you were kind of like, am I in this or not? And and because they, I, th- I thought part of the story was that you, 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 you yeah. you you initially thought that they would just really just want to see what you looked like and that was the end of it and they were like yeah that's good enough and you're like, well, you, yeah. like you, I just drove all the way up here for yeah no I drove up there and they were finishing practice and I thought I was gonna get to sing some songs and you know I thought I was gonna get to sing the songs that I loved and you know I got up there and they were like oh we're taking it down and I was like no <laughs> like no play some stuff for me I just want to sit in the room and listen to you guys play music you know like. It was, they were so special to me that that's all I really cared about doing. I just wanted to see them play Mm. the music that I love, even with or without vocals. So they ended up playing, they ended up putting the guitars back on, playing the songs with me. um, And then driving home, uh, I I called Chris from my mom's cell phone because I had to borrow my mom's cell phone because she was like, if you don't call by nine o'clock, you're grounded, you know, type of thing. And I'm like, mom, come on, give me a break. Like I'm going up to, to hang out with my favorite band of all time, you know? And, you know, so I ended up giving them a call on the way back down. I was just like, Hey, you know, thanks for letting me come up and try out. And thanks for, you know, giving me a shot. Like, I don't really know what's going to happen. They're like, we need you to come up tomorrow. I'm like, dude, like you're killing me on gas, dude. Come on, give me a break. And uh, so I ended up going up and recording because they they wanted to see. They were like, "We need to see how you sound recorded." Yeah. So I'm like, "Okay, fine." So I went up and recorded, and then they, like I said, they put it out on on the Smart Punk comp, and they're like, "Now we need to see if you can tour." So they took me out, and they took me out on Warp Tour for seven days, and I sang one song, at three shows, and Phil Sneed from from Story of the Year sang the rest of the set. For okay, them. that's that tour. All right, yeah, got it. It was that, got that's it. what happened. And then, um, so I sang, I sang 
one song three times over over like a six day period and um my mom came out to warp tour saw me play you know all my friends were warp tour sitting at the front like you know cheering me on uh, i was so nervous that the first day i just sounded like crap and then they came back to me and were like dude you sounded like crap and i was like i'm sorry i've never been a front man they were like are you serious you've never been a front man you've never just held a mic in your hand i was like no i don't know what i'm doing they're like just sing from now on all you have to worry about is just singing and you know with that behind me they uh they took me out on a full tour where i was singing the full set from start to finish and they're like we really need to see if you can last right a month and a half on the road and so I went back out on tour with them, and I still wasn't in the band, though they were promoting me. Which as tour like, was that? That we did a tour with uh, with Strung Out. Oh, okay, Love so is the Red. Strung Out tour. All right, yeah, okay. and a band called Last of the Famous. Um, so we did that tour, and Strung Out, and me being a pop punk kid and a punk kid in general, like I loved Strung Out. I loved anything that came off of Epitaph and Fat Records, and that was just like the end-all be-all for me. Mm-hmm. So to be able to tour with Strung Out was like the greatest feeling and greatest thing in the world. So I got to watch one of my favorite bands play, and then you know I got to play with one of my favorite bands. And then when I got home, they were like, "Here's three hundred bucks. You know, you did good. Um, we start practicing again in two weeks." And I'm like. Really, really, you know, conditional love we got going on here. Am am I in the band? You know, Um, and so finally, like, finally, I I asked him. I asked him in person. You know, like everybody was in the room. I was like, "Am I? Am I in this band?" Like, because honestly, like, I either want to be in or I want to go do something else. Like, you know, I'm making more money delivering pizzas than I am touring for a month and a half. So, what is it? Like, am I gonna make sales in my main focus, or am I gonna go home and? have to work a job and do all these things that keep me afloat and um they finally were like yeah you're the front man you're the singer you are you are the leader of this band and i was like all right cool finally finally i after like almost a year of touring i was just or a year of being in the band i was like i finally felt comfortable enough to be like i'm the singer i'm the replacement i'm and i'm not just a replacement but i am where this band goes, you know, mm. you know, so it was, it was kind of a crazy ride that first year, but, um, you know, going from playing from strung out, playing in front of like 800 kids max to playing in front of 14,000 on the first taste of chaos with Mike Hem and, and the used at Long Beach Arena was a trip, like losing my mind standing in front of 14,000 people, just not knowing what to do. <laughs> and just being like, oh, just sing, Cope, just sing. Like, that's all I was saying is just, just, just sing. Don't worry about moving, just sing. And of course, like me being a spaz, I tripped over myself and, you know, ran like a crazy man all over the stage. So it was fun. It was fun for that, that first, that first ride. But, um, you know, it was definitely like knots in my stomach every single day. Cause I didn't know if it was going to be the last you know, they didn't really tell me. They didn't really tell me that. So, um, very we, odd. We take, uh, we're going to pick it up right from there when we come back. We take two music breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because of, it, why don't you pick two two bands, a song from each, um, that were your staples back in high school? Dogwood Autobiographies was uh, was a song that, um, they were the first band that I actually went with my friend to go see at a church. I snuck into the show. Um, I snuck into a church show and the church was like funding this and like, 
you know, there was money going to it for a cause and I ended up sneaking in and I feel really, really bad now for doing that. But they were one of the first bands that I saw. They played with NIV that night and uh, my best friend ended up like breaking two of his fingers. Uh, That was God God punished you guys that night. Yeah, circle pitting became like the the my most favorite thing I'd, i've seen dogwood a bunch of times and um still one of my very favorite bands um and then if you could play uh craig's brother epis domology um hmm. it's a it's a really it's a really good song um from a really great band that's that's making their comeback and uh they're labelless and they are, they are thirty years old, and I still love them to death, and I still want to tour with them, and um, yeah, that that song to me, uh, they're they're like a polit- they're a, somewhat of a political band, political punk rock band, but they have this the singer Ted has just the most crazy voice, and it was one of those things for for me in high school that just kind of changed my outlook on singing. Mm-hmm. And just like Anthony changed my outlook on, on singing, Ted did the same thing. So I'm a huge fan of them. If you could play that song, that would be dope. It's from an it's from a uh, it's from the the EP that they put out uh, called Epistemology. I think I think that's what it's called. <laughs> Pretty sure, but sweet, sweet nonetheless. So stoked on those punk bands. <laughs> Yeah. 
Give me headlines that grab and shocking detail. Hide the facts in section E where no one will see. I can't tell which is news and which is retail. It all looks the same to me and it's said with urgency. So it must be true and you must accept it from their point of view. You better hop on board or miss the Grand Prix. Oh, and that's how consent is made from the manifold masses. So long as the bank is paid, no one will question offering trails in trade. And that's how money's made. 
podcast is sponsored by Epitaph Records, the home to UK pop-punk upstarts You Me at Six, whose debut album, Take Off Your Colors, just received its domestic release. Find out what the English already know, and catch the band on their first ever US club tour, opening the AP Tour Fall Ball from September 24th to November 14th. And fellow Englishman The Blackout, whose debut album, The Best in Town, is in stores everywhere. This screamo pop quintet spent much of their summer rocking Warp Tour audiences nationwide. If you missed them, the unbridled energy on The Best in Town is a fine replacement. The album provides the killer tunes, but you have to bring your own sweat. For more information on these and other new releases, go to epitaph.com. You know, one of the things I thought uh, I found fascinating the more I was doing reading, uh, doing research on you, um, and I, it's almost out of a um, something that could have been like a, a sequel or something to Almost Famous, uh, but just from a slightly different point of view, is that that first tour, the, the one you did with Strung Out, mm-hmm. um, how the new lead singer. Mm-hmm. Was calling the former lead singer. Yeah. Um, when he felt like he wanted to quit and give up, and yeah. he was trying to find his own self confidence and getting advice from the former lead singer. I still do that. Still. Still to this day. Crazy, huh? <laughs> you're just no, like it looks like crazy. your mind is blown. No, it's not crazy because I know you um, guys don't hate each other, but but I'm just saying that 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 it's just fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's it is. It's almost out of a screenplay. It, it it is pretty wild to th- to think about you know even from my perspective like being a fan of Anthony and being a friend of Anthony is 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 a little is a little strange. Um, that first that first tour that we did was strung out. He came out to the Philadelphia show, and um, somehow I think he got his I think he got my number through Alex our drummer, and he ended up calling me. Um, I think later after that show and, and before that or right after we had got off stage on that 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 night um excuse me um he had come up to me in somewhat of a drunken stupor and he was just like you sing those songs better than I could have ever sang them it's your band you sing those songs how you want to sing them and take you know just he basically like passed the reins you know and and that's something that that I will always appreciate from him mm-hmm. um and that I will always you know hold dear to me because you know it was up and up until that point of of being with Seosin I really didn't feel like I was appreciated as much as I felt like I should have been appreciated for, at least from the guys in the band um and not in the sense that like I'm some egotistical prick but just like you know, it would have been it would have been nice to be like, you did great tonight, or like, hey, I think you just need to calm down at this part and focus a little bit more because I was losing my mind. Like I had no idea what I was doing on stage, and every single night, whether it be on Warp Tour or uh, the Strung Out Tour or even Taste of Chaos, like I was watching the frontmen 
do what they do and I was trying to pick up on little things that they did really? that I liked because I like I said I've never been a front man and I'm not I'm not as charismatic I don't feel and I don't feel like I'm not as crazy is not the best word but you know um just kind of I'm kind of awkward I'm kind of an awkward guy to watch hmm. and I I I feel like I'm not as awkward anymore yeah. but at the time I was just like I didn't know what I was doing. I remember John Reese, who managed the used on that first tour, he pulled me aside and he he wanted to manage us at the time, but that really has nothing to do with the story. And I don't even know why I said that, but he pulled me aside <laughs> and he took me back up to uh, like the top rafters of one, one of the Taste of Chaoses. And he was just like, Cove, watch Bert tonight from here. I'll come get you at the very end of the show. He's like, just watch what he does. And, you know, I remember, like, another instance on that tour, like, Gerard pulled me aside and was just like, you're a great singer. We all know you're a great singer. You just need to sing. You know, you're not, you're not singing. You're just, you're, you're freaking out. And, you know, between Anthony and Gerard telling me, you know, that, that I, I can achieve greatness. Right. Um, it really calmed my nerves and it really made me feel like these guys who I look up to appreciate me for what I do. And, um, it was, it was a really, it was a really difficult thing to overcome. But once, once I did feel comfortable, I, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not as awkward anymore. I feel like I'm not as, not, not the scared little kid that I was because, mm. you know, when you're 19 standing on stage with your favorite band, it'd be like, you know, I don't know. It'd be, what's your favorite band? You know, it's like it'd be like you singing for your favorite band, and you're not really knowing what to do because you feel so out of place. And that's that's really. Plus, they weren't your songs. Yeah, they weren't my songs. I had no ownership, and though Anthony did tell me like these are your songs, like they really weren't. You know, I still I still at times feel like I'm singing karaoke, even though it's the funnest karaoke I'll ever be able to sing because I love these songs probably as much as he did and he does when and he did when he was writing and he does still now when he listens to him but you know it was it was a difficult thing for me to to uh to live up to in 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 the fans eyes and I feel like I never will mm-hmm. and you know um but were there were are there any of those songs any of the five songs that were off that EP their first EP they did their Anthony did that to this day you still just feel like you're just not hitting it. It's probably the one that really all, all of, of them. I mean, it's tough because you see, like, I'm a super fan. I have a lot of videos of Anthony singing with Seosin because I never got to see them live. Okay, I would always just download. Off but of would his, that make you want to start to emulate him? It, it did, and that was that was kind of the problem that I was running into is that that um, I feel like a lot of people were calling calling me out on being like he's just trying to act like Anthony and like right. I really was and it, and it was a problem and, and I probably shouldn't be saying that but at the same time like like I said I'm I, I was never a front man I, I didn't really know what I was doing so I was just going off of what I was seeing right. through him and videos th- through seeing what Gerard did and I'm I'm in no way shape or form in Gerard's league because he's a performer mm-hmm. when it comes to the stage and you know the same thing with Bert from the U's like. These guys are all men that I look up to and they do their own thing and they've made it their own. And 
at the beginning of, of, of the band, I was trying to do what they did. And a lot of people were like, he's trying to do what they did. He's not trying to be himself. And it took me until the first record was released or the, the first record was recorded with Howard Benson yeah. for me to finally fi- find myself and just be myself. Yeah. You know, I feel like that that was the turning point because once I had my own material, you know, I, I I didn't have to worry about living up to Anthony and right. living up to what what kids had seen in the videos of Anthony singing with Seosin. All I had to do was make those songs like the new Seosin songs with me singing them. Right. Um, Did you could, could so, you tell immediately once you got on the road with the new stuff that yeah, dude, the I know where you're going with this. Like the first show. Yeah. The first show we played, uh, it was in San Diego. We, we did the CD release. And um, or once the CD was released, up until then, kids just were oblivious. But because uh, we did a tour, a headlining tour before that with uh, with Envy on the Coast mm, and okay, uh, a couple one, other right. bands. Um, a couple other great, Forgive Durden and what is his name? Hold on. The Outline. Um, but it wasn't until the CD was released that I actually felt comfortable because kids didn't know the material prior. Got it. So, you know, once it was released and they knew the material, that switch changed. And those, the, the Anthony songs have, have truly become mine. But like I said, I I don't feel like I'll ever be able to, to live up to them because I still, I still want to see Anthony play seven years with Seosin. I still want to see him, you know, screaming the beginning of of Lost Symphonies with Seosin. Like, you know, I've I've even told the guys in my band now, and I've, I've talked to Bo about this. I'm like, when, you know, when the time comes, if the time ever does come, could you see, you know, us either touring with Circus Survive or us, or you guys ever just playing one reunited show with Anthony? Mm-hmm. I have no problem taking a step aside and being like, you know, being that dude who stands in the back and watches the show because that's that's something that that I never got to to witness. That's something that I've always wanted to witness, and and I feel like I was kind of gypped. And I know that I was gypped because my sister was supposed to come home one night, and I was supposed to go to the show, and I'm still <laughs> pissed off about it. But you and to know. this day, she still doesn't get presents. And yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> and to this day, I'm and for the rest of my life, if I don't ever get to see it happen, I'm gonna be bummed. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's it's a downer and 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 yet at the same time I really appreciate you know the opportunity that was presented once he did he did leave the band and it, that sounds bad but whatever. no 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 um but do you kind of feel like when you do the earlier stuff off that first EP when you're even today that in a way you're kind of doing cover songs yeah I mean a little bit a little bit but the fact that I've played them so many times yeah you know like we've we've never. We've always played seven years in the set. There's never been a show where seven years has been out of the set. So we will always continue to play seven years because that's my personal favorite song and that's a lot of kids' personal favorite songs from that era of Seosin. So, you know, for for those kids who, who you know, seven years is like our damn, or seven years is like Blink-182's Damn It. Like, kids go to see Blink-182 strictly to see them play Damn It. And that's, and then they bail. <laughs> you know, like I would have done it after, you know, after, uh, 
Enema of the State was released, and and I've grown to love Enema of the State. I want to see them play that, that whole record front to back. So two minor I don't no- know. two minor notes. One is a one is a bit of a, a piece of a thing from uh, Tim Coran, who did the did the cover story with Anthony mm-hmm. last year, and he said that Anthony told him that, that sometimes when he goes to the Seos and shows and he sits in the audience and he watches you guys when you do the stuff from that EP, he sings along. Yeah, and the fans That's around awesome. the fans around him will start freaking out because yeah. here's Anthony Green in the audience singing. The stuff off the first. <laughs> I wish you, I wish you would just come and punch me in the throat and take the mic. You know, like well, you guys have performed be... several times together. I mean, was, was it last year? Or yeah, was we were, one of them. We performed. It was either the beginning of this year or the end of last year. I cannot remember because we had some but, pictures. It was on AP. Yeah. Uh, it's a website. It was awesome. That that will go down as that was his solo. That was tour, his solo right? stuff, and he sang a song that was re- that was demoed. I guess you could say. Um, Excuse me. Wow, that was demoed around uh, when he was in. It was he was in sales and Justin, our guitar player, and Anthony, Doctor Pepper and uh, Sushi. D- yeah, Doctor Pepper and Sushi. <laughs> bad combo. Don't do it, guys. Um, but it was yeah. It was a demo that was recorded with John Feldman, mm. who we've worked with now um, yeah. on on this upcoming record of ours. Um, way back in the day when, when Anthony was in the band. And so we sang the song, uh, Dear Child, I've Been Trying to Reach You, together. He he uh, literally, like, five minutes before he went on, he's like, come up for Dear Child. And I was like, can I come up just at the end? And he's like, yeah, just come up for the end of Dear Child. So I ran out to my car, grabbed my computer. I have Dear Child on my computer. I for- I immediately, like, when he told me that, that he wanted me to do it, like, my mind went blank. I forgot all the words. Was that, the, was that been the first time you sang with him? That was the first and the only time I've ever sang with him. Oh, jeez. And, like, it's, like I was getting to, uh, okay, so that will go down to- as the best, one of the best nights. So you got the computer out of the life. car. I got, I got the computer out of my car, came, came back into the venue, <laughs> stole somebody's charger, put my headphones on, listened to the, songs, the song about eight times, uh, went and because I I was missing the show. I was like, I want to go see the show. <laughs> so I, I came here as a fan and as a friend. I gotta go see the show. So I walked out and I'm standing in the back watching. And uh, he finishes his he finishes the set. He walks off stage. He comes back. He's like, You ready? I'm like, oh, Do I have to do this? Like, I don't want to murder your song. <laughs> like, this is one of my favorite songs, and I don't want to be the guy murdering it. So. He's like, yeah, we're doing it. So he goes, he goes up, he plays another song acoustically, and then he's just like, I want to bring somebody out. Cove, where you at? And I was like, dude, you said I was going to come out at the very end of the song. You dick. Like, jerk. So I walk out on stage, and people, I mean, as a fan, like, I, I, it sucks. Like, like, I wish I could have just been that kid in the front row that, that had seen it happen. Because being a part of it, like I said, it, it was one of the best nights of my life and, and best best experiences I've ever had on stage. And it's kind of funny because, I mean, I have I have great experiences touring with Seosin. It'll always be, those will always be the shows that I remember. Mm-hmm. But there are just, there's something about playing with someone you look up to and singing a song that you loved with that person that that is that doesn't uh, compare to anything that you could do alone. Um, I love singing the songs that I write, but playing with Anthony was 
by far one of the best experiences of my life. And, you know, and, but the same goes for like taking back Sunday. Like I got to sing a whole set with, with Adam and, and just standing on the side of the stage or, you know, on one side of the stage, him on the other and us going back and forth, you know, singing, uh, cute without the E and, and, um, you know, 180 by summer, like those are just those are songs that I grew I listened to in high school. That's what got me into music, and the same thing happens with Anthony. Like he got me into pursuing my dream, and and that's one thing that, you know, standing on stage with with either of those guys and 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 talking about Anthony, like it's just there's nothing that that I think will ever compare to being able to do that, mm. and it's such an honor to be able to be able to do that, and for us to be able to show kids like hey we don't hate each other because right. for the longest time kids were like i wonder if they hate each other Are you sure you know and all this stuff and and you know hearing that anthony and i read i read that article obviously um being a fan of his that you know like whenever he talks whenever he talks and mentions anything about the Seosin era it opens my eyes up to what he was writing about and what he was going through during the time period so like Songs like I Can Tell make more sense. Songs like Mookie's Last Christmas make way more sense to me. And, you know, if if a fan of that era of Seosin or a fan of Seosin in general um, doesn't know, go read up on, on what, what he talks about in his interviews because what he talks about is, is legitimately what these songs are really about. And mm-hmm. it's and that has been one thing that I've, I feel like is in my advantage. Mm-hmm having to sing them every night that, that now it's more personal to me because now I understand his, what he was in what he was taught, what, what, what position he was in, in his life sure. and what he was talking about. It makes way more sense to me to be able to stand on stage and just go, okay, like I know what this song is really about now. And I've never really had that conversation with him. Like, yo, what is seven years about? Mm. Because he'll honestly tell you, I don't even know. <laughs> like, he he's he said that a bunch to me. He's like, I don't I don't know. And he said that a bunch in in interviews. He's like, I have no idea what that song is about. It was chopped up, and that's really what happened. Bo just sat there, recorded Anthony being Anthony, and then just chip 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 chip, chip snipped up the song, and then made the song. You know, so Anthony was just singing words and 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 phrases, and then Bo kind of created Seven Years and this and the whole translating the name EP. So there's there's certain lines that mean different things to Anthony. Um, and that mean things to Anthony and, and that's just, like I said, one thing that the more I, I talk to him and the more I, I'm, you know, uh, his friend, so to speak, uh, the more I learn about like what he really went through with this band. Cause it's, it's still like some of the, some of the same things are still reoccurring, you know, like mm. it's just, we're a very difficult band, group of guys to sit down and actually like create music and actually be around, you know. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't want to make the whole interview like uh, let's make this Anthony Green interpretation interview because yeah, because there is because <laughs> there is the present and but again, like I said, I found it fascinating um, the relationship you have with him and um, it just it, there was, it's, and obviously you're right. There are those traditionalists out there, those fans. Anthony, when he did the podcast mm-hmm. that I did with him last year, he he said um, he said the funny thing is I've been out of the band longer than I was in it. Yeah. At this point, and he's like, and a lot of people think it's the other way around, you know, that the that I was in this band for seven, ten years or something, and it wasn't, you know, it was just a small blip in time. Yeah, and um, and there are fans out there that are still go back and forth in the message boards and stuff that you know, well, it was better with blah blah blah. But the best one I I, I read was somebody wrote, Anthony's better with Circa, and Cove fits Seosin better than Anthony ever did. So 
get over it. I've actually read that as well. <laughs> kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, I stopped looking at that kind of stuff, but you can't, like, you're right. You, you can't you can't run away from it. You can't avoid it because in every, it seems like it's in every single, yeah. In every a hard single, person to replace. Yeah. In every single, in every single, you know, topic uh, that you click on to go into the message board, it's like in one way, shape or form, it's going to come back to the right. conversation's always going to revert back to, well, if Anthony didn't leave this band, they wouldn't suck so bad. Or, you know, <laughs> or some kid being like, right. you know, screw you, man. Like you should just, you know, go listen to Circa and, jerk off or whatever like <laughs> come on did like, you guys have a band ever get to that point where you were gonna I know some bands have wanted to get past subjects and so they've talked about actually having whoever was their administrator on their website yeah. on their message board delete topics no man like, it's it's not like that like you know to me that's just a, a stupid way of going about doing things like mm. let the kids talk you know they're on our they're on our message board yeah they're coming to our website. Right. They're talking on a, Se- a Seosin website. So they obviously have something invested into the band. And whether they like the, the old stuff better than the last record right. or anything that we've done, you know, they're still ca- they still care enough to come onto this website, come into this, this band's website, and actually talk crap. So to me, what that says is that they're still giving us a shot maybe on this next record. You know what I'm saying? They're still trying to give Seosin a shot. And, and you know, the unfortunate side of things, because I live this every single day, is that Anthony's never coming back. You know, having to tell somebody that Anthony's never coming back isn't the toughest thing in the world to, to say. But to me, in talking about past subjects, it's like, right. it's it's it sucks. I agree. It sucks that he's never coming back because I've never seen him play. So I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, like, right. if you really like Anthony a lot, like, which you know, I think a lot of a lot of Seosin fans do. The you have the best of both worlds now. You have right. Seosin continuing to write Seosin's music just with a new vocalist, and you have Anthony writing with different musicians, right. and he's still the same vocalist. You know right. what I'm saying? Like. You have the best of both worlds, so how can you be bombed? Was there what was the best piece of advice that you got out of Gerard or or anybody from those first few tours that you still utilize to your you know whether it's something you have to say to yourself when you start as you say spazzing out on stage or <laughs> I mean is there anything you that know, you yeah I don't I don't think I don't think it's anything that I really that I really think about when I'm on stage I think it's more so when or I even when know. I step back into the yeah. daily into the daily life and and I think about. And I think, and I truly start to think about what Anthony said to me. It's like, it must have taken a lot for him to say that because, you know, he did invest a year and a half of his life to this band. Mm-hmm. And he did try his hardest to overcome his fear of the growing success and at the rate they were growing. It was yeah. just crazy. So I can completely understand why he may feel the need to run away from it or feel the need to just be like I'm not ready for this. I got to take a I got to take a step back and you guys maybe but I'm not. Like I completely understand where he's why he would why that may lead somebody to to feel like he's a little bit crazy, but you know, I feel like when I truly step back and think about what he's told me, it's like it must have it must have taken a lot for him to be be so honest and 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 for him to take for him to make something so special with the four other guys in this band and be and have to pass it on to somebody, dude, that's that's a, that's a that's like giving your baby away, right? You know, and and 
So I understand, and that makes me feel feel extremely proud to have somebody like Anthony, who's a friend of mine, give that to me, you know, and become mm-hmm. a friend of mine through that gift. Same thing with with Gerard, you know. Um, it's not like I'm talking to Gerard every day, but the things that he said to me um, at that moment in time were, you know, in just complimenting me on what I've done up until that point. And I, I've, I've literally done what I feel like is nothing up until that point. But the fact that he saw a certain amount of recognition, and I think it's, I think half the reason is because he knew Anthony as well, um, that he, in, in him telling me like, Hey, you're, you're a good singer, you know, like, these are some warm-ups that I do that it may end up helping you because I'd never taken a vocal lesson and I truly didn't know what I was doing, like I said. So, you know, for him just to be like, you know, so kind to me yeah. on a tour where he really didn't have to be. Like, they were owning that tour. They were the biggest thing on the planet, at least in my mind at that time during that tour. Like, for him just to take a moment out of his day and sit me down and just like hang out with me for 15 minutes when I felt like I had nothing, when I felt like I had no one in my band that I could really talk to about it because they're not, you know, Bo, Chris, Justin, they're not singers, you know, but but Gerard is. And he not only is Gerard a great singer, but he's a great performer. So for him to be able just to sit me down and just be like, look, you're you're good. You're going, You you have greatness in you. You just got to nurture it and let it let it come about and you know it 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 still to this day just means the world to me and and you know I had to, I've unfortunately never told him thank you for that but I, I I have told Mikey like hey can you just text your brother and tell him thank you like I don't know if he even remembers what he said to me but like I do and it it does mean the world to me and it's it's just something that you know and it still happens to this day like you know I it's weird because <laughs> There's sometimes where it's like I see somebody else now having a bad time, and I'm just like, "Yo, man, calm down. You're, you're gonna be great." You're already passing it on. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of passing it on, and, and and not that I have any right to pass it on, but you know, I'm still learning, just in, in the same way that that Anthony's still learning, the same way that Gerard's still learning, and 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 if you're if you're one of those dudes that's just like hating constantly on that on that dude who's gaining small small amount of success that you think sucks, and you know, who are you who are you to to judge, I feel like I'm not one to judge. I feel like I'm one to to encourage. You know, it's like, dude, you're great. Go go do your thing. You know, and it's just, it's it's not it's it's not about you know who's who's the big who's the who's in the bigger band or who's got the biggest ego or anything to me. It's just like, right, we're all doing the same thing and we're all doing what we love. So let's just love it, love every moment that we're doing it. You know, and that's what I felt like they were passing on to me. Like, hey. <laughs> you have the best job in the world. You have the greatest, the greatest job in the world. You get to stand on stage um, and, and sing songs for a living. And if fame comes with that or fortune or whatever it is that you're looking for comes with it, great. If not, you know, at least you still have the best job in the world. You know, like, it's but, they, but there's a, there's a, unfortunately it's too true. Um, but in any sort of a position of leadership, mm-hmm. um, they always say that the boss is uh um you know may have all the perks or what have you but it's also the loneliest job. Yeah. Is it the same way for a lead singer of a band? Can it be I a, think I think for some lead singers yeah, yeah. It can be an isolating thing like this band was was not pe- not necessarily piece like this band was if you, if you look at it like this like we were in many ways 
piece together like a label would piece together a, like a pop band. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd find the greatest singers that sound good together and they put them next to each other and boom, you got a boy, boy band. But there was no label involved. Bo pieced everybody together. He found Justin. And then he found, you know, he, he found Zach or he took Zach away from, from open hand. And then they wrote some music and recorded it with, with Pat, the, the old, the old, uh, Slayer drum tech and right. whatever. And then, uh, you know, then they found Anthony and Anthony flew out and recorded. And then, you know, once the record was, or the EP was done, they found, they got Alex from open hand, um, and you know, then they then they had a, then the bass player quit, and then Chris came into the picture, and you know, we weren't friends, we weren't friends growing up. You know, had it been a different story, right. like we're all sixteen year old kids playing in our garages, being the best friends in the world, like it would be a completely different story. But because we were in many ways pieced together like a boy band would be yeah. by Bo, um, it's taken a long time for us to learn how to work with each other, other, and we're still learning how to work with each other. And that's kind of the struggle, and that's in many ways what may end up holding us back, but it's what's going to give us the best outcome on every single record that we do is because right. everybody's, everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got the best opinion, and so when we kind of battle, you have to pick and choose your battles, and some you lose, some you don't, but in the end you realize, like, if he's not happy, then this band doesn't exist. If you know, if everybody's not happy with at least something, right. then this right. band's not going anywhere because we don't have anything to fall back. We don't have, we don't have that long-term friendship to fall back on. So yeah, I've felt I've felt very isolated when it comes to being in a band. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, at the end of the day, I realize like I've spent the past five years of my life with four other dudes that I didn't know up until that time. And I've already invested this much amount of time with them. And in that amount of time, I've had some of the best times of my life. So I'll never want to give this up and I'll never want to give any of them up either because, you know, even though I may end up hating Bo or Alex or Justin or Chris, you know, at, at a moment in time, it all comes back to, you know what, like, had it not been for them, I would never be here. And I feel like that's kind of how everybody is with this band. Like, you know, even Bo, the person who pieced this band together with, with, with Justin as well, um, those guys probably feel the same way, you know. Mm-hmm. And so through that, we've, we've, we're still learning how to deal with each other and we're still learning how to be friends. And, and it's, it's become a bonding experience throughout these past five years and, and I feel like yeah these are my brothers like these are the guys who you know <laughs> these are the guys who I want to get trashed at my wedding you know I want them to be trashed I want them just to be like out of their minds so I can have good wedding stories or whatever it be you know like that's just <laughs> it's just one of those things that like you know these these are these are my these are my friends these are my best friends I have I really you know I've in many ways I feel like I've ditched my friends at home in order to to do what seemed like business at first with these other four dudes. And now it's just like, it's not, it doesn't seem like that anymore. It's like, I'm leaving this group of friends to go hang out with this group of friends. And through this group of friends, I'm going to hang out with other group of friends. And, you know, it's just, that's what it's kind of become. So, you know, the isolation doesn't, it doesn't feel as, as uh, like the walls don't feel as tight anymore. Um, It definitely feels like, 
now, now it feels like, yeah, I can go and I can talk to Chris about certain things. And just like friends back at home, I wouldn't tell Chris certain things that I would tell Bo. And the same thing goes with Justin and same thing goes with Alex. But we've we've had to learn how to we had to learn to, that we need we do need to support each other. And we do need to be that band of brothers that that, um, you know, we weren't before this band started. You know, it's it's pretty such crazy. conflict, and we yeah. and and part of the point of this the whole podcast series is for musicians how to be a band, mm-hmm. being musicians together, and and so considering you know it, there, there's something very beautiful about when you have a bunch of conflicting uh, forces yeah. trying to be pushed into this ball of creativity, you end up getting something a lot more. Um, was so much as much as a creative output is so much better yeah. than if you had a bunch of people that agreed with each other, you know. And they were well, just like, so. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, you're trying to manage that conflict, you're trying to manage that disagreement. Yeah. So how do you not let that get out of hand? Is it is it is there somebody or is there a trigger that somebody sits there and goes, time out before we start getting into name calling, we have to do this or we have to do a sit down or we have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Because um, breakdowns in communication, besides a lack of money, is probably the second thing that breaks down breaks up bands. You know, like I said, we've been a band for five years. Yeah. I've been in this band for five years. Mm-hmm. Anthony was in the band for a year prior. Yeah. So these four guys have been together for a total of six years. Um, and me for a total of five. Um, so through those time through through those years, you know. Yeah, we've learned that that Chris handles the firing of the tour managers. He handles the business aspect. You know, if somebody needs to be X'd, you know, and cut yeah. out, it's like Chris is going to handle it because that's his personality. That's just his personality. That's just the way he handles it. You know, um, yeah. and we've learned that that's just that's how we work. That's how we function. We know when Justin's getting out of hand. We know when, when Bo seems, seems to be a little bit bummed out and he's acting like he's sick or, you know, whatever it be. Right. It's like, we, we know when to give each other space and, and, uh, and that's important. And, th- and that is important. You know, like the first dude, the first tour, there was this time, and and I just remembered this, and we, we haven't talked about we we brought this up like six or not six months ago, like two months ago, because we just miraculously remembered it. Like the first tour, or right after the first, I think Taste of Chaos, we did, uh, we did this, we did Bamboozle out in Jersey, mm. and this is really, it's really funny to look back on, but Bo, Bo got got a little bit a little bit tipsy. And we're driving back in this rental van, and I'm sitting in the front seat, and Chris is driving, and Bo is just talking crap, like so much crap on me, but not in the sense of like it's mean and hurtful. It's just like, dude, shut up. Like if you don't, and this is where like the whole brotherly thing comes in. It's like, I was like, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch you right now. Like I'm gonna turn around, get out of my seat, and fight you in the car. And I kept looking at Chris. I'm like, I'm gonna fight him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch him in his face. And uh, you know, I knew it was, I knew it was half of it was, or more than half of it, probably all of it was just liquor speaking because he didn't even remember the next day. But uh, you know, I remember just like jolting and just being like, I'm gonna kill you. It was like a movie, you know, or like the the the. It was like Step Brothers when the dad gets really yeah. angry and he's just like, Ah. I'm going to kill you, you know, you wrecked my boat. But that's how it was. And like, you know, we've learned now, we've learned now through, through the years, like, 
when when it when the time comes to stop the pushing and when it just becomes time like all right i'm just i'm just gonna walk away and leave you for like a day you know because i mean there'll there'll be days where i just i won't talk to alex or like i won't talk to these you know anybody in my band and you know and the same goes for them like when you're around somebody you know 290 days a year 24 7 like that's crazy and and when you're having to sleep in the same hotel room with the same guys it's like you want you really want to shoot yourself at times and sometimes that aggression just gets taken out on the other person and you know you just got to learn how to deal with it and I think that's that's one of the things that that where we're at now is we've we've actually learned how to deal with it we're far past those those times where I'm wanting to you know jump out of my seat and punch Bo in the back seat you know it's like it's crazy, but, you know, that's just what happens. Every band has their moments, you know? Everybody, every, every, there's not one band, like, that that will tell you, like, yeah, we've had the perfect relationship. Like, right. there's not one person in a single band that'll be like, yeah, I've never thought about quitting. It's like, dude, it happened. Like, that's just what happens. When you're stuck with these people, it's just like, it, it, it comes, it gets to the point where... You know, you just you you're like losing your mind. You're losing your mind. You wanna you wanna you wanna hide, but you it all comes back to what I was saying. Like, if it wasn't for these four dudes, I wouldn't have the greatest job on the planet. I wouldn't right. have the greatest job of you know, and and being able to sing the songs that I love to sing. And and that's just one thing that again, I just appreciate so much and 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 being given the opportunity to to be where I'm at, you know. Sure. I do want to talk about the the that record, the, yeah. the Howard Benson record, and then we'll take a second music break and okay. we'll, we'll just a couple more things. We'll talk about um the next record, okay. the future and and the music industry and so we'll wrap this up. Um uh relationships on the road. One of the things I was thinking about recently was and I wonder with the kind of struggles that you guys have had with each other um, and the tensions that sometimes build up. Um, and I know several bands that have, that have gone through this where the girls that they end up, or if they're a girl band member and they're dating a guy, um, or you could be the same person, I don't know, um, that they end up, um, they date a girl and the girlfriend, uh, as temporary as she may be, come, mm-hmm. uh, ends up becoming the... Um, the one that the musician vents to about all their frustrations in the bands happens with everybody. Right. And then all of a sudden that relationship ends after two months or three months. Yeah. And now you've got, and now you times that by, you know, traveling around the world. So now you times that maybe by four or five a year. So now you got four or five ex girlfriends with all this dirt on the band <laughs> and all the other band members. Oh. And it's like, how do you, do you, have you, do you is it just going to happen? And is that, or do you find yourself, Craig told me one time, he's like, when, when, when I don't want to say something to somebody that's in the media, but it's a friend, I call it media block. And yeah. so he shuts down on certain things. And so do you find yourself kind of doing that with girlfriends and stuff like that, or in relationships where you just, there's a girlfriend block? <laughs> I've only, I've only had one relationship in this band. I'm on my, I'm on my second relationship right now. Um, which is probably the, the best thing in the world. Um, it's great. So for me, you know, the the last girlfriend that I had, uh, I actually met through the band. Mm. She uh, she came out on the on Warp tour, the first Warp tour that we did. Um, 
for seven days and you know I was just like you're cute you know I want to hang out with you like I'm just a big dork you seem <laughs> like you could put up with me being dorky like where do you live like let's hang out you know and uh I ended up you know that is true like you have like I have I had moments in that relationship and I have moments in the relationship now where I'm like you know I vent a lot to her and I vent I vented a lot to my last girlfriend and you know that's just it's a safe place it's sure. you could vent about anything you want they're never going to get pissed you know or at least until the point where the girlfriend now because of what's going on with the band and you know having to get this record ready having to get ready for warp tour and you know everything that revolves around the record i'm talking like mixing mastering artwork press uh promotional shots like the whole nine yards you know there have been times where you know i feel like out of that relationship i've kind of gained <laughs> out of the last relationship i've I've kind of gained a perspective of like how i want to treat any 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 girlfriends really from now on um you know and she's she's just awesome she'll be like okay for the next eight hours you're not allowed to talk about seosin and it's like, really? thank you. Thank you for saying that. I don't want to talk about him. Let's talk about anything else. But it's just my life. Like, that's just what it becomes. And But, I mean, it goes it goes the same for, for the guys in the band. With the last relationship, there were nights where I was on the road where that was where my whole focus was. And the dudes in the band saw it, and they're like, they would pull me aside and be like, dude, this chick's screwing not only our careers but your career personally and you investing the amount of time per day that you're investing right now is ridiculous you're on the road you're supposed to be having fun you're supposed to be working and you know this is the you're making poor decisions right now and everything like and we've done this with you know we, we've done this to each other and it's happened to me more so than the others. I didn't. I was. I was. Was like it happened with Bo. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, it happens on different levels and on different occasions with different band members. So, you know, it, it happened to me with her, uh, my ex girlfriend, uh, a lot. And you know, where you become when, obsessed with the where I would, you know, I just become the the little things became arguments. And the arguments became huge fights, and we both ended up being like, what are we fighting over? I don't even remember. And then I'd call, you know, 30 minutes after, and she'd be asleep, and I'd be like, hey, I just want to apologize. She'd be like, why'd you wake me up? And be like, I'm sorry. I just want to <laughs> apologize. That's all. Just quit saying you're sorry. And, you know, that, that it happens to every band, and it happens to every band guy, whether you're venting to your girlfriend about your band or you're venting to your band about your, you know, you, t you don't ever vent to your band about your girlfriend until they come to you and are like, it's affecting you and it's affecting us and it's really frustrating and we don't know what to do. And, um, yeah, there are just some things that you, that you can't talk to your band about and some things that you can't talk to your girlfriend about, you know, when it comes to band stuff. It's just, I'm not going to tell her everything that that my band does on the road. And though that may sound like, you know, real, that may sound really bad. Like the, anytime that a girlfriend comes out, it's like, I don't even want to be around. Cause I'm so, I'm so afraid that they're going to get a picture of, of the life that we lead on, on the road where it's just like, 
come on, when you get five dudes together that are like brothers, it's like you're gonna see, hear, smell a lot of different things that you typically <laughs> don't ever want to. You don't ever want to witness at in your life. So especially as a girl. So any like anytime my girlfriend would come out on the road, and anytime now that my girlfriend is gonna come out on Warp Tour, I'm I'm like best behavior. And if you're not on best behavior, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna dump this this Dr Pepper on your face when you sleep, <laughs> and I'm gonna punch you in the nuts. Like you know we we just we've learned how to we've learned we're we're experienced enough to know like you know what girls to steer clear from when it comes to relationships and what, you know, what to do when you're in a relationship. And, it, and it's still going to be a growing experience because, you know, I'm not married and I don't know when I'm going to get married. And if I ever do get married while I'm in a band, it's still going to be a growing and learning, learning experience. Sure. So, sure. You know, uh, it's just, it's just kind of a, a complicated, weird, weird world to be a part of, especially, being a band guy and having a girlfriend because they're always, you know, m- many girls who don't know what it's like to travel. And thank heavens my girlfriend does know what it's like to travel and be away from your your, your boyfriend. Um, they They think that every night's a big orgy and that girls are constantly on your bus and in your bunk and all this stuff. And it's just like, we're not we're not a we're not a hair metal band anymore. Like those bands are not around. <laughs> right. That stuff never happens. Never happens anymore. You know. And it's just like, come on. Like I don't know about I'm anymore. Just, maybe not with you guys. The, maybe not with us. But I mean, for a long time, we were that band. Like we were the band that other bands were t- would talk about. Like you don't want to tour with Seosin. They're crazy. <laughs> They're all about partying and chicks. And it Even was though like, two of you guys don't drink or smoke, supposedly. Yeah. It was crazy. So it was just like, dude, we're not like, we're looking at each other going like, is that what your band talks about us like? Like, we're not, we're nothing like that. But for whatever reason, the persona was just like, that's what Seosin does. And like, dude, you got it all wrong, man. It was crazy. But so no, you, what that, can you do? that first record with Howard Benson, the, fir- the, the, the full length, um, it just. I could get into the details of the yeah. making of that thing and all that, and a lot of that's already been kind of covered out there on the internet. But I mean, he he worked with Mike Cam and all, all these very powerful bands, and he's he's made a bunch of them very big. Yeah. Um, but you said something in the in that story that Scott did for issue two twenty six AP, um, and he you said something that um, he made sure that uh, we weren't selling out. Yeah. How so? Um. I mean, if you go to our web, if you go to our MySpace, you can check out the making of that record. It's mm. it's already up there and, and everything. So, for those of you who has, haven't done that, you can go do that um, after you finish listening to this. <laughs> um, but you know, he, a lot of people in in and around the music industry, when they look at a band like Seosin and what we've accomplished before actually working, you know, with a label and putting out a record, they had, they might have gained the perspective after hearing that we were going to work with, with Howard Benson that it's over. Like, the cool factor about Seosin is gone. You know, he did All American Rejects. He did My Chemical Romance. He did, you know, I'm trying to think of all the all this stupid bands. You know, Hoobastank and, you know, uh, there's so many more. Motorhead and everything. Motorhead yeah. and everything more. But, I mean... 
to me, looking at Blindside and looking at Motorhead and looking at like his catalog, he's actually done some really cool stuff. Sure. And he's kept those bands cool. Um, but but then again, as as is with every other producer, you know, he did he did the reason with Hoobastink, and Hoobastink's never recovered from that song. You know, <laughs> like that's just that's just that can be the best decision you've ever made or the worst decision you've ever made. So in talking with him before the record started, we're like, we want to keep everything about this band cool. And that means fast drum fills with a lot of things going on, a lot of guitar riffs, a lot of, you know, high vocals, a lot of, a lot, you know, a lot of the things that we had seen pre- prior to say, you know, prior to me joining the band, we, we wanted to keep it cool. Okay. So that's what we did. And he was, he was, really good in in letting Alex just shred the drums and then letting me cuz he was only really there for drums and drums and vocals so mm. you know uh he let Bo, Justin and Chris just basically do whatever they want you know with the engineer there to kind of guide them a little bit and um you know I don't feel like I ever sold out on that on that record that the only song that you could ever think of being a sellout song is you're not alone and to me when I first right. heard you're not alone back I was sitting in in his control room, uh, where he in, in which he would record me, and he was like, "Check this out." And he left the room, and I was like almost in tears. Like, the song impacted me, and I was the one recording it. And I was like, "How is this? This is gonna impact everybody that hears it." Mm. And yeah, sure, it may come across as being a sellout ballad pop song, but the meaning and everything behind that song is so moving that you can't really deny. That that's just a great song all around, and we had no we had no worry that it was going to turn out like the reason, you know. And mm-hmm. not that that's a bad song; it's a great song. And the reason it did so well is because it's a great song, and so many people attached it themselves to it. You know, we we weren't worried that it was going to turn out like that because it sounded cool, and everything else surrounding that song on the record was cool. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, he definitely let us just be us, which kept Seosin from being that sellout band that was, you know, having songs created for them and, you know, written and uh, manufactured in a way. Because mm. there's, there's a lot of that going on in the industry and you would never sure. notice. So, and to kind of wrap the, uh, I thought the best um, way to wrap up um, the, that records uh, period is uh, the punknews.org uh, review and mm. the first two words of that review for that record um, are Anthony who? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, kind of, it showed... that's kind of a dick thing to say. No, but I mean, you know, but it shows that you, that the band was yeah. now, had moved forward had... and that you were solidified and it gave you a very good review. Yeah. I mean, it gave you, you know, good props. So it was like you had come into your own now and you were set. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly like as much as a, as like, I, I wish that that kind of stuff wasn't said because it just stirs up more conversation about Anthony. But you know Co. what I'm saying, though. I do know what you're, you're saying. Say like, like I, I read that as well, and I was like, you know what? That's awesome. You know, That's awesome that somebody says it's, in the industry says it's, you know, says it's great and says that Seosin has come into their own with right. with Cove as their lead singer and right. whatnot. Like. That's really it's really flattering. It's really cool, and and it made me feel great. And I think that that again is one of the the turning points of me feeling comfortable being the lead singer and being the front man of this band. Right. So. Right. Yeah. 
So I can't play anything new from the new record. Um, so the second music break, why don't we do this? Um, why don't you, uh, something off of that first record. Um, t- tell me the song that... Uh, <clears throat> let me see here. Um, tell me, the, I, I usually say this one, and, and it seems to come up with some pretty interesting answers. Tell me the song that's usually misinterpreted. Um, you're not alone. Really? I was trying to do something so we wouldn't end up with that one. <laughs> Just no. for difference. No, I mean... Because, uh, but go that, ahead. That, yeah, but that song that song has been misinterpreted by a lot of people. and uh, You wrote that in a closet. I wrote that in a closet. At 4 a.m. in the morning, supposedly. 4 a.m. in the morning. I definitely did. Uh, in the Oakwood Apartments in L.A., which is where a lot of famous musicians, musicians have stayed. Nirvana stayed there as well. Hmm. Kind of cool, just driving up there, being like, "They drove up here," you know, like it's it's the coolest <laughs> thing. Um, but uh, yeah, that song was very misinterpreted by a lot of people, um, and it's all because of one line. Uh, the, in the at the end of the first verse, uh, he says he has nothing left to live for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know. I wrote it that way because I have felt that way, but I've never acted upon those feelings. And I know a lot of people have been in my position that have felt that way. Like we right. have nothing left to live for when you're down and depressed. Um, and when it comes to the song, the uh, the 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 chorus is ther- is therapy. The first verse is about me. The second verse is about my sister. And, oh. and, uh, and in kind of connecting where my sister was at in her life, she was at the same, when, at that age, when I was at that age, she was going through, I was going through the same stuff as her. So oh, okay. it was just like, you know, basically like a song that I felt like both her and I could connect to. Um, that's actually the first time I've said that. Uh, but you know, the, she she doesn't even have green eyes or anything, but it's just like the same thing that goes with the first verse. It's like she was feeling those same feelings, and she still. I mean, everybody still does every now and then, and, and you know, like I just hope that that when kids feel like that, if they are a fan of our band, and even if they're not and they're listening to this, it's like I would hope that at any given time, when when you're down. And you're at your lowest of low, like that's a song that 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 can really uplift you, and that can really um, bring you back to reality and make you make you appreciate your life just a little bit more, or appreciate something just a little bit more. So um, that's a song that got really misinterpreted on the last record, and then I mean a, a lot a lot of the songs got misinterpreted, but it's because we wrote that record the same way that 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 Bo and Anthony and the dudes wrote translating the name. It was just kind of really ambiguous and sporadic and random lines just pieced together. So, um, except for that song, that's one song that I just had complete control over and Howard Mm -hmm. Benson just produced me on that track and it wasn't like working with anybody else in the band. So that song did really get misinterpreted by a lot of people. And, um, yeah. You said, uh, you said a, a key word earlier, awkward. Um, you felt awkward uh, sometimes, and I just kind of wonder. Out of so the second song, why don't we do this? Out of out of any of the stuff that you've recorded, except I can't play the new record. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I've heard parts of it. Yeah. And I like it a lot. Um, uh, 
the not the song that you like the most, yeah, but the song that you're most proud of. Your your like what you were able to get out of yourself. I never wanted like from the last record. Anything that, that we got that out we've, on audio. We've got on, uh, I never wanted to. Um, I never wanted to was a song that I wrote. Uh, it was originally demoed as a song called No Angel, mm. and Bo sang on it. And then uh, the demo just changed like eight to ten times up until recording it with Howard Benson. It was the last demo. It was the last drum track that we did uh, with Howard. Um, and I kind of helped arrange the song. Um, I was like, Hey, what if it started like this? And then one here and then one here. And then everybody else kind of put their input in and was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Cause it had no structure. It was just five parts and it went f- from one to the next and then it ended. There, there was nothing that repeated and there's no repetition of the song. There's no chorus. And so we picked the best part out of the demo and made it the chorus. And, um, it came out as I never wanted to. And, um, that song was uh, basically about two different um, two different experiences that I had where people people's words impacted me um, so greatly that I just had to write about it. Uh, the second verse was about an experience that I had with my ex girlfriend where she told me something that I absolutely did not want to hear at the time, and I wrote that that second verse literally like on the drive home from Orange County to to the Oakwoods and I was trying to beat the sun sun rising like I was just hauling up 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 uh the 5 freeway or the yeah the the 5 freeway up to the 101 and then to the Oakwoods to try and beat the sun and get in bed before the sun came up and um so that second verse is about an experience what she told she said something to me uh that night and we sit up all night talking. She just said something that really impacted me on the on the drive home. So I wrote that kind of on the drive home. The first verse uh, was about something that my mom said, and the chorus was actually something about what my mom said. She, uh, I came home from tour once, and um, as is everything in life, like you change, and you can you're continually growing. And my mom felt like she had lost her son really? in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's how she feels anymore, but every single time I listen to that song or I, or I sing that song live, the feelings that I get from her especially because, I mean, my mom's been probably the biggest, the one of the biggest impacts on my life. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her and my dad are just pretty much everything. Family is everything to me. So, sure. you know, for her to say something like that to where it, it took me from an awesome tour and a super high and like feeling great about life and the band and everything. And it just went like down into the ground. Like she just smushed me, you know, like, like the, it just hit me so hard that I was just like for the next month or so, that's all I could think about. And it ended up she making the demo a sense of remorse. She just said it like, you know, like any parent would like when they're, when their child seems to be straying, it's like, you're straying, but I understand you got to make your own decisions, and I'm really disappointed. You know, it's like a disappointment thing, and you're just mm. like, no kid wants to disappoint, disappoint their parents sure. unless you truly hate your parents, which <laughs> I don't get, uh, unless they've done something f- extremely terrible to you, but I've never had that happen to me, fortunately enough. So when she when she said when she said what she said, it was just like, 
it made me reevaluate. It made me stay up nights. It made me go to the beach at 5 a.m. and sit there and just look at the ocean and be like, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing with my life? And that's just one song that I feel like every single time I, I sing it, the feelings come back, the emotions come back. And, you know, the chorus, it's like, I never wanted to hear all the things you told me. Like, it's pretty self-explanatory, you know? So... Pretty deep, man. Why do you got to get me all deep right now? Like, keep drinking Dr. Pepper. Yeah. I'll get more out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I told you this stuff's like crack. I'll keep talking.
record mm. working with butch walker john feldman and matt squire um what were the things that you learned about yourself from working with each one of these guys i learned a lot you know um i, th I think the more i work with different people the more i learn that i that i am actually um a better singer than I think I am. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not one to be like I'm the greatest, I'm the end all be all. Mm -hmm. I'm Elvis. You know, I'm not that's not me. Um, you know, I still think I'm growing. I still think I'll I will always be growing. Um, but the more I work with <laughs> I mean, Butch Walker and John Feldman are two extremely great songwriters slash singers, in my opinion. You know, they both have different styles. Of, of going about doing their thing. But, um, you know, Butch taught me a lot about uh, just the way that that my throat works. And there was, a, there was another guy who I think we should involve in this. Uh, he, he helped on a couple songs. Uh, this dude, Jeremy. Um, and he, he used to be in this band called Moments in Grace, and he's now in this band called Savio. He also taught me a lot too about the, the proper way to sing. He has this very opera, uh, operatic, op opera sounding mm -hmm. voice, uh, and he he taught me a lot about like, you know, face facial movements and all this stuff. And and that's kind of what Bo or not what Bo, what Butch did as well um, in 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 getting out the performance and in putting me in the place that I need to be. in. And Butch taught me a lot, actually, a lot more instead of. So not a lot about singing per se as much as he did about focusing in on the lyrics and making sure that everything is cohesive from front to back. John Feldman uh, taught me a lot about um, 
tell me a lot about the performing aspect of things because you listen to any record that he's done and there's a lot of great vocal performances yeah. and that's something that Howard Benson does really well he gets a lot of great performances out of you because it sucks music being a singer is is you are I think Adam Adam from Taking Back Sunday said it this way once to me he, he's like you're 20% singer and you're 80% performer but when you're in the studio, it's reversed. You're you're 80% singer and 20% performer, and so getting adjusted to to recording is a lot harder than it is to being to getting adjusted to being a performer and standing on the stage. And um, so John taught me how how to ride the line of being a performer and yet being a great singer. And uh, you know, not only did he teach me a lot about that, but he's just insane when it comes to vocal uh like overdubs and stuff when it comes to like the backup like woos and yeahs and you know all the harmonies like the weird you know uh there's there's a lot of like weird answer back type of harmony things that that are on the three John Feldman songs that are just like they make the songs better they make the songs like they enhance them 100% it's crazy but you know that's just everybody has their own different style of of going about doing things, and uh, you know it's just being being a frontman and being a singer. It's it's awesome to be able to work with so many people because you get to pick up what that what that person is leaving off from you. So it's mm. pretty cool. Did you um, <clears throat> is there there is a quote you probably since you've been saying you already read everything mm-hmm. I've been saying tonight <laughs> as much as it's been on the internet. I think you live on the internet. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Do you read all the message boards? No, not anymore. There's no way. Barely. You, you, you've been reading everything. But I've, I, I've, I've heard that stuff before. All right, fine. Whether it come from you or come from my parents. Oh, yeah. right, oh so they live on the message boards. <laughs> Unfortunately. <so. laughs> my mom will do checkups every now and then. She'll be like, <laughs> she, will, she has your name on a Google search? Oh, man, she needs to stop doing that. Google it's, alert? Yeah, it's a bummer. <clears throat> does, she met, does she respond back for you? She's actually, yeah, she's actually on our message board. She's done it several times. I what? don't know if she does that anymore. It's pretty sweet. She doesn't do it for me. She just does it herself. Like, you know. <laughs> what does she say? What happened? I don't know. She she says, she said, well, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of one thing that she said before, you know. She just responds. She just responds to kids that are asking her questions. Like, say, oh, mom, do you know what this is all about? And she'd be like, Nope, but I'll talk to Gove about it. And I'm just like, I, I'll read it before she talks to me about it. I'm like, I'm not gonna respond <laughs> because I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna run back to that stupid message board and you're gonna you're gonna post what I say. And no, I'm not I'm not gonna please your need to please everybody else. No, but I mean, she's great. I, I can't, you need to have your mom talk to your publicist. Yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> funnel I can't, all questions yeah. through him. No, I can't deny my mom's a great lady and she loves staying. No, I was just you know? She loves checking in. Um, but there was a quote. Um, it's just from a from a kid because and they were and it was a uh, it was an interview mm-hmm. that was online and and the quote was uh, as much as I love this band, taking three years to release a new album is ridiculous. This thing had better be fucking amazing. So I haven't I haven't read that, but I've heard that a lot, and that's the pressure <laughs> we feel. So is there, and I'm sure that you've spoken about it with the label, and the labels try it, you know, from a publicity and marketing and so forth. But you know. Shh, Shh, they're quiet. <laughs> we love them. Um, and they're very good people. They are. Uh, internet, the world today, the fickleness of everything, you know, you got, you don't have 15 minutes of fame anymore. You got three and a half minutes. Um, you, is there like, you said there was pressure. I mean, is there like some thinking like, 
did uh, did the generation already move on to the next bands of now? Like, is everybody all about 303 and we're going to come back and it's going to be like what Thursday just went through? I mean, Where you kind of come back and everybody's like, yeah, and then nobody buys. I don't really worry about that stuff. I don't think it's I don't think it's really in my place to worry about that <laughs> stuff. It's like all I'm doing is trying to make the best record I possibly can. So, you know, if if fans decide to move on, moving on's dumb, you know? It's like they're going to come back. They're going to download the record illegally whether you like it or not. And if they if they dig this record equal to or to more than they did the last record, which mm-hmm. I have to say I think you will if you actually check it out. Um you know, I don't think I don't think the here today gone tomorrow is is really is really uh, prevalent with this band. I think I think we're we're not to sound like a, I hate sounding like a douche, but you know, and sounding cocky. But I think what we do, and the reason that we take so long is because no other bands take long. They what they do is they go into the studio, they take a month to re- write and record a record, they put it out, they have two good songs, and then they tour for a year, and then they go back and do the same thing. Right. So by us taking a year off, it's it's giving us the amount of time that we feel like we need to make the best record that we possibly can. Metallica, Black Album, took a year off and to, to write and record. During the writing, they were recording. You know, it happened with so many bands back in the back in the day, uh, you know, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, all these bands that have albums that transcend time took year, took a year sure. or if not longer to record and write their record. And so, you know, I feel like if I feel like that it's crazy that we've actually been able to take off a year and not have to have to get a job or anything. But I think that that just kind of speaks up for what we've achieved with the success of our last record and everything that happened behind it. Because a lot of people don't know that mm-hmm. our record label fell apart halfway through. We lost everybody, and yet we continued to to, to achieve and 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 have great success. Sure. So with this record, now that we have a record label that's stable and that's behind us, that we know isn't going to be gone tomorrow right. or halfway through the second single. That we're, you know, we're only, we're in a great position. We're not in a bad position. And I don't think anybody out there is going to forget that, you know, that's going to put us, like you said, we're, we're, not, we're not, I don't think we're in a position like Thursday. Mm. And, you know, I love that band and I, I hate that that sounds like I'm talking mad crap, but I'm not, you know, I, I love, I love everything they've done. I've always celebrated everything that they've done. And, and I want to, to be able to do what they've done and put out you know, four full-length records. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, we're only on our second. And, you know, I feel like everybody that's surrounding us and our team um, is equally as excited about what we're doing and is ready to to jump on board and really attack this record as as hard as they know that it needs to be pushed because it is a great record, Mm -hmm. you know, and... um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think any of us really sweat it, but we do stay up nights. There is an added amount of pressure because we do have a lot of fans who have waited three years for us to put out a record because every other band's putting out a record every other year and we've taken three. Right. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous in their minds because they're typically used to having a new record every other year, mm-hmm. you know? So you just, I think it's, I think that they're, that they're still sticking around if that kid's still saying that he's obviously waiting 
And he's obviously going to wait a couple more months for it to come out because it's going to come out, you know, in probably September. So why not, you know, just continue to wait. We're going to have new music for, for people to hear soon. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sweating it. Hmm. Like we're just trying to make the songs as best as possible and sound as awesome as possible. You know, we want kids to, when they hear the record, not only be stoked on the songs themselves, but the way that it sounds. Hmm. So, you know, if, if it takes us, up until Warp Tour to actually finish the record, then fine, that's that's okay, you know. But we just we just want this record to be as amazing as you you want it to be, and you know, not that that's important to us that you actually appreciate it because we don't write music for people; we write it for ourselves. And if you right. like it, cool. Every band should do that. No band should ever write for somebody else. Last, I'm just saying that. <laughs> no, no, no. Sure. Last fall, you put out uh, the Great EP, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was uh, sold on tour. You did 3,000 limited edition mm-hmm. uh, CDs. Yeah. Autographed. 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 And the rest, and it was sold on iTunes after the, otherwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think that this, and it's almost a question for your publicist too, but do you think that this is the last hard case CD release you're going to do? Like, is it going to all be digital from here on out as much as the future? Because, you know, partly of what you guys did with that Grey EP is very contemporary now a lot of bands are starting to do that i think the reason we did that though is because it was an ep Hmm. you know if we were a band like what we were or what you know if seosin was like what we were when anthony was in the band and we could release the tracks online for free and you know give them away put them on itunes later if you want to go buy it off itunes then great you know, um, I think the biggest thing that helped Seosin back in the day was the internet because they were giving it away for free. And then once they went on tour, everybody wanted to buy the record because it was only five bucks. Right. You know, nowadays, record you 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 can't you can't sell your record for five bucks on the road. We can't do that. We're only we would only make like twenty five cents if we were if we were able to do that. So um, it's important to know that it is it is important, and and it's 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 frustrating that that is the case. But at the same time, like. You know, like this record, uh, and and every other full length feature coming from this band. You know, we will always want to have artwork with. We will always want to have something along the lines of you know in the packaging to where it's enticing and it's it's very interesting for you to look at visually, and mm-hmm. it goes along and coincides with the record because that's really the only reason personally that i go out and buy records i want to see what they're doing in the artwork and i want to see if they add anything cool that i've never seen before Hmm. you know um and that's the reason why i go buy deluxe editions from from bands now or i try to get in a deluxe edition from you know like under oath and taking back sunday for free if i possibly can because they're homies right like you know if that's the case if i can get one from them i'll trade them mine you know when it comes out because everybody's trying to to do different things to try and make it more appealing sure. for somebody to go out and actually pay the 40 bucks to get like a whole package or, you know, or $15 at Best Buy for a record, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it doesn't all go digital because having a hard copy of something is so cool. I have recently got into vinyl and into buying you know, all my, my dad sold his record collection. So I'm trying to find all of his old records again and trying to piece them all together so that I can, you know, whenever he gets, whenever, whenever he feels like he's in trouble from the three women living at home. Um, and if they all, their cycles meet up, he's going to have to come stay at my house. If you know what I'm saying? 
I want to have those. I want to have those records for him to put on and be like, I think oh, that's. Freedom. I think. I think that's what they meant by 2012, right? Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's. It's. I don't think that that CDs will ever go away, because you have to have something that's that's tangible that you can hold in your hands and and look at the lyrics and yeah. look at the artwork while you're listening to the record. That was what was so cool about when. Dark Side of the Moon came out. I wasn't even born, but you know, for me now, I have two copies of it and every single time I put it in on on the record player, I'm just like this is so awesome. This experience that I'm having right now with this record is so freaking cool because that's what kids did back then and that's what I feel like is missing now. Is kids it. aren't kids aren't kids aren't doing that. They're not calling up their friends being like, "Hey, I got the new record. Come over and hear it." Right. They're being like, "I got the new record. You want to come over and burn it?" It's like, come on, dude, sit down. Like, pay attention. Listen. <laughs> it's frustrating as a musician, but I mean, that's just what happens. That's just the that's just the way that the game is gonna turn into. It sucks, but you know, I think I think we'll we'll always have a hard copy of a full length, and you know, we'll, the digital thing we might just do with EPs. And okay. I think that's all you sh- that's all you really should do. And it could, so. and, it, and it may actually go that way. Um, uh, so I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah you, you just never know. Um, or vinyl will all come back again, or cassettes will come back. Which would rule, either or. <laughs> cassettes. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not cassettes so much, but vinyl would be cool. Um, last question. Uh, I usually end with this. Uh, so here we go. It's a little bit. Uh, tell me about the time you almost died on tour. <laughs> Oh, it's a laugh. It's a laughing thing now. Uh, we all laugh about it. It's great. In Canada on the first Taste of Chaos, and uh, we're driving through Saskatoon, and we pull up to this gas station, and this dude's like, you know, we get out, and we're like, so what's the deal? You know, we hear, like, the roads are closed, whatever. We're in a van, mind you. Everybody else, Kill Switch Engage, The Used, Mike and Romance, they're all on buses, so they have nothing to worry about. Well, they do. It's it's still crazy, but it's not as crazy as being in a in a in a sprinter van driving down, you know, negative thirty with inch or with like four inches of ice on the road. So, and so we pull over. We talk to this guy, and he's like, "Yo, uh, yeah, it's gonna get crazy. Basically, what will happen is you'll come out of town. This huge valley will open up. The ice will hit. Like it's gonna be nuts. Um, just take it easy when you're driving through there, and you should be able to get to the next city, which is where everybody had it was gonna pull over and stay the night um, until they they clean the roads. So we're driving, and it seems like the city's just never ending. This valley is not coming, and out of nowhere, the valley hits, and it's just like nothing. Like all you see for miles upon miles to your left is white and all you see to the right is white. You don't see any any other color and in front of you it's all white and you know the little gray patch of road that's covered in four inches of ice. So we hit a bump and then he's like, "Oop, our driver who uh who was our our uh, sound guy at the time was like, "Oops, sorry guys. We're driving." And he <laughs> He said he said sorry again, and all of us are just like, why does he keep, why does he keep saying he's sorry? And he's like, um, uh, guys, the van. Once we had hit this bump, and like, it had turned to the left a little bit, which means our trailer's now facing like I don't know, like in a V. 
our van's facing to the left, sliding on the road, and our van or, and our trailer's at a V. And uh, he corrects, and he pulls he pulls the van over to the right a little bit, but he had never driven on ice before, so he corrected too hard, and it ended up pulling the 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 trailer around, creating another V in the opposite but in the direction. opposite direction. So he corrects even harder to the left, and by that time, the trailer had had pulled our van around, and we're now like heading passenger side first, going st- like going straight with our trailer. We're looking at our trailer, which is now like in front of us, the way we were driving. It's now in front of us, and we're sliding off the opposite side of the road. And we end up, we end up sliding off the road. Our van tilts up at like, I don't know, what is that? Like a 35 degree angle? I don't mm-hmm. even know. Like it just ends up tipping up. So I'm sitting, I'm laying down on the ground. My feet are at the, uh, the sliding door and I'm now standing. I'm standing in our van and our sliding doors at my feet. And I'm like, what just happened? And then the van falls back down. I'm on my back. What had happened was that the trailer pulled. When the trailer hit the the, the embankment, it rolled three times. And luckily, most of our gear was in the Taste of Chaos trucks. And uh, we, we only had like two or three broken guitars. But all of our merch was in there. So for like three shows, we didn't have any merch. And it was the biggest bummer because uh, like, you know, we we could have easily sold and made up for for a lot of a lot of the damages that that happened but our van actually made it back to California um with a with the paper like the transmission blue and the guy who fixed it left the transmission manual inside the transmission then covered it up like an idiot <laughs> so like 6 months later we're in Vegas and the transmission blows and we're like what the hell's going on take it in and this guy gives us the transmission manual all covered in transmission like fluid it's just burnt burnt to crap and we're just like that's from canada like what the what the hell and uh i don't know like our our, our we had to leave our, our trailer there uh, uh kill switch engage passed us and then turned around and picked us up and uh the rest of the tour was just crazy everybody on that tour was just like dude we passed your van it was nuts we saw we thought you were dead you know, and we got everybody got there. We were like one of the first bands to get to this hotel, which was dope, by the way. It had a freaking uh, pool, and it had a, a huge slide thing indoors. Awesome! It was like so ninety it was degrees. It. It was so cool. worth it. But anyways, yeah, it was just crazy that whole that whole time period. And you know, meanwhile, I'm still like starstruck of being on tour with the used who put out in my idea or in my mind like probably one of the greatest records of my life. You know, um, and my cam's blown up and Kill Switch Engage is the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my entire life at the time. And I don't know, man, it was crazy just to be like starstruck in this hotel on Kill Switch Engage's bus driving and just everything happening so quick. Like, I'm just reliving it right now with my eyes closed. <laughs> it's so funny to laugh about because we, our tour manager was this little Asian guy and we had bunks built in the back. And they were separated like beds, like bunk beds, like you go into the bus. But they were wood. And when the van tilted on its side, 
our tour manager was on the side, the higher side. So he slipped off in the middle and the bunk like broke and barely missed piercing him like <sighs> through his, you know, his chest. And it was just like, oh man, so we came so close to just like to dying. But now we all just look back and we're like, sweet. We almost died. That's so funny. Like why are we? Why am I laughing about this? I don't even know. So the name of the new record is. Can I say it? Ah. Can we get a thumbs up? <laughs> coming from the publicist. No. no. <laughs> ah, damn. No, you know, um, it's it's not. We we can we get decided, a release date? We've decided. Let me tell you. Yes, we can give a release date. We can get a release date. Yes, September eighth. Okay. Okay. It's going to be the release of. Whatever it is. I'm not, whatever it is. And no. then you're going to be on Warp Tour. Yeah, we're gonna be on Warp Tour. the The name is very close to being finalized. Okay. Uh, I I've had this name for about a year now. Okay. I'm not gonna say it, but when I do, I promise to. Uh, Mormon to, in the middle. It's yeah. It's called Mormon in the middle. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you guys will. There we go. I was trying to think of that. Thank you so much. You guys will be the first to know. <laughs> Trust me, I will hit you up and be like, "It's called." <laughs> and. And then so it, close, right? So close. <laughs> um, well, I'm really, really happy for him. Uh, I think this is, uh, I think this is great. That the new record does sound great. You have a seven and a half minute masterpiece on there, a little rock opera thing. It's awesome. Uh, that uh, you can actually go hear it on YouTube if you want. That's right, because you guys played at Bamboozle. We played it at Bamboozle. The song is called Fireflies. Um, but unfortunately, like that part I was telling you in the song, it kind of dies out, and the girl filming it thought that the song was over, so she turned it off. Because no, like, there's a second yeah, part that comes back. there's a second part yeah. that comes back, and she's like, underneath it, it's like, oh, man, what sucks is I totally posted this video, and I didn't get the second half of the song. <laughs> so you get to hear the first half of the song on YouTube if you go check it out. The song's called Fireflies. But And, and a little yeah. bit of advice to any future journalist, if you, if you are going to interview Cove and you want him <laughs> to talk, just get him a bottle of Dr. Pepper. This is factual. And, and he's, he's, I got two here, so I could have made a four-hour one out of this and gotten some really good shit. Um. <laughs> I'm so sorry for keeping you guys up, man. It's, it's midnight. I feel like a douche. It's but okay. I, I always sorry. run long interviews. Um, really, take care of yourself, and Definitely thank will. you for coming back. And, and, uh, Anytime, I, man. And uh, you're somebody that I will have to do part three sometime. <laughs> Please. Let, let's do it as soon as the record comes out. Seriously. There that, we would are. Be, that would be awesome. Just get grilled about every single song. We'll talk about girlfriends again. Yeah. <laughs> the AP Podcast has been sponsored by Epitaph Records, featuring new releases from Set Your Goals, Frank Turner, You Me at Six, The Blackout, and more. For more information on all Epitaph news, release schedules, and exclusive videos and merch, Point your browser to epitaph.com. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, Go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Robert Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. 
You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 